Blog Talk Radio. With those first cow sounds, what they mouth is DJ Drupex. My name is Everett Sands. I'm the friends. I'm the friends. I'm the friends. My name is Everett Sands. I'm the friends. I'm the friends. My name is Everett Sands. I'm the president and founder of the West Foundation. West, 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 West Foundation. West, Foundation. West. What is West? West, 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 Financial literacy is so important. 
And so that's one of the things that we want to make sure that we're constantly talking about with our, with our kids is financial literacy. We also talk about mental wellness. We also talk about dealing with police officers. We talk about character, leadership. When we get back, we're going to have opportunity to uh, do some things on etiquette. Uh, but there's a lot of different life skills that we want to help equip these kids with. So the key is whenever their sport ends, you have an opportunity to still be successful. Some kids, their sport ends when they finish high school. Some kids, when they finish college. There's a couple of guys that get a cup of coffee in the league. And there's some that have a long career in the league. But regardless of when that is, your sport's going to end at some time. And then the question is, do you have the tools on your tool belt that will help you be successful? And that's what we're looking to help them do. Now, we always like going with a thought of the day. And the thought of the day today is no comparison. Too often, we compare ourselves with others. And that's unhealthy. Uh, for one, we have no idea what they've been through. We don't know who they know. We don't know what they've done. We don't know what kind of work behind the scenes they've done. It's hard, I know, because we're always kind of comparing ourselves to other people. Uh, but it's something you want to try to stay away from. Because there's times that favor is on your side and it separates you from everybody else. And there's other times that it's not your time yet. But you got to keep working. You know what kind of work you're doing. You know, one of the things that my kids have often heard me say is, I don't care if you are the best. I just want you to do, I just want you to be your best. Um, so don't try and be somebody else because nobody does a better job of being you than you. And here's something profound I heard recently as I was uh, looking at a seminar. The, uh, I heard somebody say that they studied some of the business giants, but they didn't get considerable results until they stopped doing exactly what they did. They had to take what they learned and add it into what they were doing instead of being a strict 100% copycat. And once they started adding that into their system, they started seeing growth and success. So don't try to be exactly like somebody else because everybody is different. God made everybody a little bit different. Now, there are some general things that will definitely help you, but going along the exact same line doesn't mean you're going to have the exact same success because you need to go in and add your turn to it. So learn from others, but realize you're not going to get the same results. And if nothing else, just make sure you understand that there is nobody that compares to you. You are a different person than everybody else. You have something that you are put here for. The key is to find your purpose. And when you find your purpose, you will understand that there is no comparison. Today, I have a good friend of mine that is going to be about our co-host, Mr. Maurice Johnson. Maurice, how's everything going? It's going well. It's going well. Good. The, uh, now, tell us a little bit about 
your journey. I know you went to the Citadel, of course, because you played with me. Uh, but just tell us a little bit about your story. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, as you said, I, I went to the Citadel, played, played football there, went there on a football scholarship. Um, uh, originally, uh, I'm an Air Force brat. My, my father uh, was in the Air Force for 26 years. He, uh, my, my mom is a teacher. Uh, she's retired. She's since retired. Uh, the oldest of three. Um, lived uh, lived all around the South, but they retired at Myrtle Beach. Graduated from uh, high school at Myrtle Beach. Went to Citadel. Um, in school, I, um, um, you know, uh, I, I started school wanting to be an attorney, um, but uh, I decided, uh, I, I, oddly enough, I fell in love with accounting, <laughs> and uh, said I wanted to go be a be an accountant. And uh, started working for in public accounting out of college. Did that for eight years, and I got into home building uh, eight years after college. And I've been uh, in home in the home building industry for the last 16 years. And uh, currently live in uh, Charlotte. Uh, married to uh, my high school sweetheart. We got three girls, and uh, uh, we live in Charlotte. My oldest is in college. My middle one is a sophomore in high school, and I've got my youngest is in sixth grade. Now, here's something. Again, I'm a numbers guy because, you know, I was a computer science major. But how do you fall in love with accounting? <laughs> man, it's funny, man. It's crazy. But so we had an audit class, our audit class in uh, accounting, you know, the, the accounting majors, uh, just a few of us, uh, you know. Um, in fact, Corey was, uh, me and Corey was in class together in D Hall and a couple of guys that you all know, we were, we all graduated together, your brother, Anthony. Um, and uh, we had an audit class. And, uh, you know, people that don't know external auditing, you know, people hear audit and they think, you know, the, you know, it's a scary audit group. But really and truly what you do in essence is you find out, you know, how a company makes money, um, why what they're doing is important and all the different controls that they have in place to make sure that the money the amount of money they say they're going to make in essence is uh is legit uh they're not cooking a book uh it's fairly represented represented uh so if someone is making an investment decision on that company they can rely on the financial statements so essentially without an external audit group and the company's uh, internal control structure, you really can't rely on the financial statements. So I thought about it from the standpoint of always being real curious, always wanted to, wanted to hustle, wanted to learn how to make money and, that, and the like. And, and so we had a project where we had to audit the, uh, the, the Citadel laundry. And so uh, believe it or not, uh, by, um, by, learning, by going through an audit of the Citadel laundromat, um, remember we put all our clothes in that white bag, that that mesh bag. Throw it in there, and all your white t-shirts would come in, kind of off off white, <laughs> and then they would kind of progress through that. That's where I got my, you know, I said, hey man, I really want to do this uh, when I graduate from school, uh, and then that way I can just kind of figure out by going to different industries, I can figure out what I truly want to do um, uh, for my, you know, long term career. So that's how. The, um, now, how did your accounting take you into the home building? Uh, how, what's the connection there? Um, a guy that I work with, um, 
at the firm um, in Atlanta. We had moved to Atlanta by then, and uh, it was with Price Waterhouse Coopers. And um, guy that I had worked with at Price Waterhouse Coopers had left back in like 2004 um, to become the corporate controller of a home builder in Atlanta. It was based in Atlanta. It was a national builder. Um, not not publicly traded in the U.S. stock exchange. It was uh, owned by a British company, and he called me um, like I don't know, like February, March, two thousand five, and asked me how I was doing, and told and 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 mentioned to me that um, things were going well for him, and he wanted me to meet um, the at the at that time the CFO of the uh, builder, and um, and. Um, you know, so at the time, again, I didn't know anything about home building. I didn't know what a permit was. Um, I don't have anybody in my family that are, you know, home builders or carpenters or trades or anything like that. Went and met him, um, really connected with the guy and learned more about the industry and the like and, you know, real estate and how real estate is such a key component of the industry. And um, made the jump and fell in love with the business when I got there and realized that being a home builder is really what I want to do. And that's really going to be my passion as a career, just because it's a lot like what we do in sports, you know, it's team. Um, and uh, the difference between being at home, one of the big differences of being in home building versus being in public accounting was that, you know, instead of, instead of, you know, the product being a set of financial statements and an opinion on a set of financial statements, it was more about delivering communities, buying property that's, you know, trees and then turning those trees into keys, you know? So, In other words, you find yourself on another team. That's right. I can kind of see where an accountant can kind of be a loner. Um, even if you're working with other people, you're still working, out, I would imagine, alone a lot. Whereas now you're, you're definitely more on a team and got more interaction. And, uh, you know, yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting because you know, in public accounting, it's a it's a team, you know, um, mm-hmm. and even in, internal accounting, it's a team because you have like an audit team, and like you get put into places. I remember one of my clients was like, you know, Furman University and Benedict College, and you be in a team, you be in a conference room. Typically, they put you in the worst place. They'll put you in like the basement. Um, or, you know, something like that, something you don't like, because everybody's afraid of you. And, you know, most of us were in our young, in our in our early 20s, mid-20s, and we're talking to CFOs, CEOs, and stuff like that, asking them questions. Um, and so we're just trying to learn as we go, but it's a real, it's a team atmosphere. And so people who like teamwork, you know, you think about accountants and you think they're just being counters, you know, pushing a 10 key every day and, you don't really have any. You don't have any people skills, but it's different. It's a teamwork atmosphere. It's real collaborative, and that transition translated, you know, over significantly when I got in the home building. So. Now, since you uh, stopped playing, you know, we we both played for Charlie Taft. What mm-hmm. kind of things did you learn that you still use from playing? To work well, um, you know, um, you know, I think uh, you know, as you say, West is work equals success. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, one of the things that I, I that that I learned early on from Charlie Taft and uh, our time at the Citadel was that you know, no matter you know what gifts you have, if you don't work really hard and put some work behind those gifts, you're not going to be successful. Um, and uh, I, I remember that you know it was clear as day. I remember because I came in, I wanted to be a defensive end. And I remember I had my my sophomore year. I had a I had a terrible couple of games, and I remember he called me in, and Coach Alaza was in there. He was in there, and uh, Coach Powers was in there, and uh, he said, you know, you know, uh, uh, you got all the skills, but you're not putting the effort. So we're going to move you down to become a defensive tackle. <laughs> so. Um, and that was really one of the first times athletically where I actually was humbled. You know what I'm saying? So um, I had to, I spent the next day corkscrewing with uh, Coach Powers and a couple of uh, offensive linemen for after practice for about 30 minutes. You remember those? Um, yep. But yeah, so I think that was probably one of the one of the most significant things. And then I think next would be leadership. Um, you know, I learned I really you know learned how to be a leader. I think through those that time at the Citadel, you know, following people behind. You know, my my freshman year was your fifth year, and uh, you guys were coming off such a great season. You know what I mean? And uh, learning from you, you know, Garrett Sizer, Lane Dillinger, you know, um, you know all those guys, uh, Eric Little, you know, T. Riv, and all those guys. Just kind of watching y'all lead. Uh, we didn't have as good a season, CJ, you know, as we wanted to because a lot of folks got hurt and the like, but. Um, just seeing how y'all y'all were leaders, right? Um, you know, I would try to just take all of that away with me and uh, try to do the same thing in, in the workplace. And that's, that's, I think, a big reason why a lot of companies like athletes. One, from the teamwork mm-hmm. aspect, most of them have been in decent role of some sort. And, and I think that's extremely important. Extremely important. So, But, hey, Let's just move a little bit to a little bit of NBA basketball. Mm-hmm. All-star break come up. Right now, who do you think are the teams to watch? Who do you think is going to be in the mix? Of- man, um, man, you know, I, I think it's hard to, to pick against Brooklyn, right? Um, I think I saw somewhere where they're, um, they're like 10-1 and one or something against uh, – um, against uh like teams with over a, a 500 record um so you know they're putting it together now's the time for them to put it together i think you can't you can't you can't count them out i mean you obviously can't count the lakers out you know with, um having torn his someone that torn his torn his achilles before i feel you know and then seeing what happened to kevin durant um you definitely uh are uh skeptical about anthony davis's ability to come back and do a championship run, so I don't know about the Lakers right now, but um, you know, um, I think the the Nets, um, the Lakers is obviously still in there. Um, I think those are probably the you know those teams that those teams are probably the top two teams I think I'd say right now. What about you? What about the Jazz? What about the Jazz? Yeah, I yeah, they're pretty good too, right? Uh, and the Sixers are good, right? Um, I think Doc Rivers has got got them playing. I mean, he should he should still be at, at the Clippers right now. To be honest with you, I can't believe they they uh they let him go after that after that year. 
Unfortunately, it, it is what it is sometimes, man. And uh, but yeah, I think the Jazz are are, are definitely putting themselves in position um, to be contenders, mm-hmm. even though they. And I agree with you. I think the Nets have have, have definitely. Well, they got a power team right now. Uh, you know, the question with all the the power that they have on that team is, can they play together? And yeah, they start. Yeah. That's right, you know, and then but the, the thing is, man, it's like, you know, NBA basketball, when you get to the playoffs, man, it's all about can you get a bucket and can you play defense. And, you know, they're playing with uh, with KD, man. I mean, you know they can get a bucket with either with the three of them, right, KD or uh, Kyrie or James Harden. Any of those three folks can get a bucket. And they start playing some defense, man, ain't nobody, nobody's going to be able to, to stop them, man. Um, I, you know, I think the Jazz. I mean, how the Jazz? I mean, how they been? How who they been playing against? Though, you know what I mean? I mean, they got the they have the best yeah. record in the league, right? Yeah. Right now, they're as far as their power rating, they're number one in the power rating. Um, they're twenty five and six. So uh, mm-hmm. I guess the you know the next lowest loss is ten, and uh, that's the Suns and the Clippers. Um. But uh, they they've been playing well, man. I mean, yeah, only six losses so far in thirty one games. I mean, that's pretty good. And and yeah. the Nets have they're just starting to come along. And I I think I they've realize. been out for a couple. Of yeah, yeah. I didn't realize the Suns had such a good record. Hmm. Yeah. Clippers are twenty two and ten. And, you know, one of the things that, that's happening with some of the teams, as you saw in football, is just some cancellations because of COVID. Um, so mm-hmm. you see a disparity in the amount of games that have been played. Um, but, yeah, and then you know, one of the things that who knows, but I was looking at a stat, I guess it was last week, where the best three-point percentage um, was by uh, uh, Seth Curry, and the most three pointers was by Steph Curry. So one of them has a little bit better percentage, and the other one has more three point field goals than anybody else. So the question: Will the Warriors get back? Into the game? Well, they like the. Uh, I think they're the AC now, right? So they're they're in technically. Right now, right. I mean, they're sitting at sixteen and fifteen right now. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. But but again, you know, you know, you got Draymond, you got you got Steph. Will the Splash Brothers get rolling like they were before? Yeah. Well, you know, um, I don't know, man. Because the problem is, uh, one of the Splash Brothers isn't going to be playing this year, right? With Clay uh, Thompson right. being out. Um, but and Steph will get them but so far. I mean, I definitely think they'll make some noise, right? You know, um, but I don't. I mean, if they end up at the eight seed, I can't. Again, I haven't. I don't know the. I haven't seen many of the Jazz's games, but you know, the Jazz were, were really good. Led the end of the year last year, they ended up pretty strong. So, I don't know that they're gonna win a series. Golden State will. It's gonna be interesting. It's going to be mm-hmm. interesting. 
Yeah, like, I mean, the Lakers, you just don't. On one hand, you can never count LeBron out. Um, But I think that uh, the boys over there in Brooklyn. Yeah, man. To your point, man, it's crazy. It's crazy about LeBron, man. Like, he, I mean, how how old is he now? Like, 36, 37? And uh, and he's still he he's out playing the the young the youngins man, I mean he's like he's like an Iron Man, and everybody else you know KD's always out, Harden's out, Kyrie's out, now AD's out, you know all these folks get hurt, but he just keeps on like killing it every year. You know what I think that goes partly to the off season preparation. Now, I don't know what the offseason season is, um, but just from what I've seen of LeBron, I'm sure he mm-hmm. is probably one of the most grueling um, that there is, and that's how he's able to maintain and, and keep himself, as we would say, fighting dream. Yeah. He puts the work in, too, right? Right, right. And, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That, that off-season program that, that he does is, hey, I'm going to make sure my body's ready to go. And that's one of the things I think as you get older, that means you got to work even right. harder. That that one nick might keep you out longer than keep those young dudes out. And uh, mm-hmm. you got to just kick. You got to keep fighting. Now, I'm not even sure. Where is the Austin team this year? Where is who? I, I don't know. Are they are they even playing an All-Star game this year? With COVID and everything? I know they're going to have an all-star break, but I'm not sure if it's going to be an all-star mm. game. But I'm not sure of that. I am not sure. Oh, of, so. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they, um, maybe they're having it like uh, at some uh, quarantine facility or something like that. Right. Oh, what they did last year. Now, here's one thing that is actually kind of different. It just seems like it was. I guess it was. Then we had the NBA Finals. So, uh, mm-hmm. With the NBA, it's quite a quick turnaround. That, uh, it's like, man, we're playing already again. But I just got word the All-Star game is going to be in Atlanta this week, this year. It's going to be in Atlanta. So, um, but who knows? We'll oh, see Atlanta. if that's played or not. Okay. We'll okay. Or not. Might have an effect on that, and they might not end up playing, but it is scheduled to be in Atlanta. So, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to bring on our first guest, which is Mr. Elena Coates, who is a Gamecock. She played with the uh, the Gamecocks, and now she's playing in the WNBA. But we're going to take a quick break, real quick, and we'll be back in a few. So, hold on. Go ahead, song, make it do what it do.
get it right, it's your turn. Before you lose your mind, you better press rewind and get some understanding. Don't want to waste my time. You see, I work for mine. Life is too demanding. Breaking every rule, thinking that it's cool. Don't you be no fool. Now that you're brand new and getting on through, it's something to take with you. I was young. everybody doing? This is Everett Sands of the West Foundation Sports Talk Show, and we have a special guest tonight, Miss Elena Coates. Elena, how's everything going? Going good. How's everything with you? Everything is going good. Everything's going good. If it was any better, they had to take me to jail, but it is good. <laughs> um, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your journey, you know, from college to, to where you are now. Um, well, let's see. Uh, started playing basketball at eight, you know, rec league, AAU, middle school, high school. Um, and of course, like after I played in high school, I chose to play at USC. And then, yeah, after that, um, you know, worked my butt off with Coach Daly, all the coaches that I worked with while I was there. And then, great to God, we get drafted to Chicago. And then after there, I mean, I know anybody who, you know, probably keeps up with me knows I haven't had, like, the smoothest path when it comes to WNBA. But it's completely fine because at the end of the day, playing professional ball is my dream, whether it's overseas or in the States. So it is what it is. But then we get to – I'm with Chicago for my rookie year, then my second year comes up, and then that's the year that I started with Chicago, went to many, then ended in Atlanta, and then from there, I went to the Mystics in the bubble, and now we're TBD, and it's completely fine, but right now we're uh, we're in Israel, um, with my hospital to be exact. 
don't know how to spell it. I only know how to say it. Um, <laughs> and you know, aside from aside from the fact that I can't, you know, go bowling with my teammates or you know go sit down at a restaurant with them or anything. Um, in terms of the basketball aspect, I mean, I'm able to play. I'm doing what I love, and I'm getting paid. So, try not to complain too much. But here we are. Now well, let me ask this: um, You've had a lot of accomplishments thus far in your career, and I and I'm speaking life one. You're not done yet. But which of your accomplishments means the most to you? Um, I think that it's kind of like multiples, like wrapped into one. But I feel like my biggest accomplishment is being able, it would have to be in college, but, well, especially my, my freshman year, because I put in a lot of work that year, and I got a lot back in return. Like, I got freshman of the year, I got second team all SEC, and I got co-six woman of the year. I didn't even know that was an award. Um, and I would have to say that, like, my my freshman season is definitely my biggest accomplishment because I know coming into the system that Coach Daly already had, you know, with Khadija and Tiffany Mitchell and Tina and Rose and everybody, like, I was going to have to figure out how to come in, be different in terms of, like, figure out my ways of making a difference, if you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I do. And then to try to, like, work my way into her rotation because getting drafted is on – I mean, not drafted. Getting scouted and getting uh, – and signed to a school, that's only half of that. Like, you still have to fight for this, the starting spot. You still have to fight for playing time. You know what I mean? And it's not just who can sit here and clap and yell someone's name, like, the loudest. Like, we get past that in middle school. Like, you get to high school. Other factors start to contribute to always being a good teammate, but you also got to work on your skills. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think uh, a lot of kids – Overlook, you know, the fact that when I'm being recruited, I'm being told I'm the best ever because you are one of the best ever. So once you mm-hmm. get there, you got to go against some some people that are a little bit older, uh, a little bit more experienced, and they're pretty good coming out of high school too. Uh, so so mm-hmm. it is a competition once you get there to – find your way on the field. And being especially on that team, because you had you had a, a, a lot of talent on that team, there's no doubt about it. And that's why like I com- I really commend like when I see teams and everything that have so much talent and they're able mm-hmm. to bounce it out. Because it just looking at it it just reminds me of Having um, just be thinking of one like off of my head, but like me, Tiff, Khadija, Tina, and Asia in there. You know, it just makes me think of like specific lineups because it was like I would consider them all star lineups, and you could put any five together that you wanted. 
and you were going to get some type of result. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's true. That is true. Now, the um, and I'm trying to remember, what year did you all win the national championship? It was the 16-17 season. 15-17. So what year were you there? I'm sorry, what did you say? What year were you? I was a senior, unfortunately. Okay. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Now, that was, who did you guys play then? Who did you guys play in the national championship game? National championship game, we ended up playing Mississippi State. And it's funny pretty much because anytime there was any kind of championship that year, we always played Mississippi State. Like regular season, they were the ones we needed to make sure we had wins over so that we could claim the title. The SEC uh, postseason tournament or whatever, we played Mississippi State in the final. And then for the national championship, we played Mississippi State in the final. That's right, because you guys played UConn in the semifinals, right? Y'all played them in the final four game, right? No, we had Stanford, uh, Mississippi State had UConn. Oh, okay. 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 Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, we're good. Now, let me ask you this. A lot of people see the end product and think it's all glory. Can you talk a little bit about the work that has to be done behind the scenes? Oh, of course. There's there's so much more work that goes into just coming into the gym, doing stuff in practice, and then being out, especially when it comes to, like, the WBA because, you know, I live in reality just like everybody else. I haven't had the smoothest path when it came to the league. And what people don't understand is, like, it's not just you – it's not just, oh, let me ask my coach, like, what am I doing wrong? And we sit down and talk about it, and then I work on it. It's not just, oh, I'll watch the clips of film, like, where I, it's, I'm just in the game. And da, da, da. You literally have to go – you have to go beyond that. Like, you feel like you're not – you don't understand why you're not playing. Go talk to your coach. And instead of just working on it with by yourself, or just another different coach, work on it with your head coach. Like the same way with that you had asked, like, what's going on, and they tell you what's going on back because at the end of the day, one, they see you working, and two, they can see your improvement on the thing that you came to them to, like, to get more PT or to, you know, be more effective in the game and whatnot. And taking care of your body is, like, super important. Like, aside from, um, you know, the, the freak accidents that we can't control, like the ACL tears, the tournament, those types of injuries and whatnot, mental mental health is, is a big thing, too. Um, right. I can definitely speak on, like, in the bubble. It got tough. And Washington, they had a, a team psychiatrist that we could talk to. And, you know, you're around the same people every day. Like, you're in the States, but you literally can't leave the premises of 
this one, like, landscape. It got rough, and I know a lot of people, along with myself, like, mentally, like, they just kind of took the toll, but, like, everyone's mental is different within themselves, but, you know, to, like, be on that next level and to, like, be prepared for that next level and all that stuff, you have to make sure you are maintaining a healthy mental and emotional mentality within yourself within your home life, within your friends, or at least to a certain extent to where you can come in and get the job done. Because, yes, our coaches, they're people as well. They have emotions. They understand that we're people. We have emotions. That at the end of the day, they're trying to make this money. They're trying to go get these rings. They're trying to go get these titles. You know what I'm saying? So then you make sure that, like, you keep yourself together as, like, your body as a whole, and then definitely just going above and beyond, you know. You want to get 100 free throws up a day, do 200. You want to get faster, talk with the trainer, work on some, like, there's no, and there's, there's, like, the higher you go, there's really no more, like, hey, I'm pulling you to a side because you're not doing what you're doing X, Y, Z, and I really like it, and I really don't. Let's sit here and talk about what we can do about it, da, 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 da. There's not a lot of that. You're looked at as, looked at as a professional. Like, I would say even in college, like, you should get into the habit of doing things like that. So if your dream is to play on a higher level and when you're, you know, in these situations with your coaches and whatnot, you can go about it. In a um, in a professional manner, um, but yeah, that mental's got to be together. You got to be able to realize that there's no more sugar putting around. Like your head coach isn't gonna come to you and keep pulling you to your office if you keep having issues. No, you're gonna get cut. If you're you know coming in and you're not and you're still doing bare minimum, whether you're coming to get extra in the gym or not, you're going to get cut because it ended that you're playing against the best people in the, in the United States. And there's only 144 spots, and it's already super competitive as it is. That's why when people, <clears throat> if someone was ever asked me what advice would you give, I'd tell them focus on the things that make you different from everybody else who's out here and all these names out here. Mm-hmm. So focus on the things that matter. I love. What you say? Focus on the things that make you different. Like I know, for me, it's not you. It's not at super common to see like six fours and whatnot, like sprinting up and down the floor. I just kind of think of things that, like, back in, like, things that set me apart from a lot of different bigs when I was younger. You know, not everybody is so willing to just dive on the floor for a loose ball, like, without hesitation. Just things of that nature, because scoring is important, yes. Playing defense is important, yes. But at the same time, you also have to be able to be tactical. You need to have good IQ. You need to be able to go off the train tracks if things, you know, go off the rails. You know what I'm saying? You have to be able to adjust when there are things that the other team is doing 
and maybe your coach isn't seeing it right now and you and your teammates are, and you have to be able to have those communication skills to be like, hey, y'all, whether you're a captain or not, and be like, I see this is happening. We're trying to get this win here. We need to fix this by playing X, Y, Z. So I definitely feel like I know it was a very long answer, but, um, you know. That's not a good point. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of good stuff. You know, uh, you know, one of the things that stood out to what you said, you're talking about focusing on things that make you different. And mm-hmm. and I think a lot of kids got to go in and take advantage of that because I do something. There's a reason why I stood out from everybody else. Um, and it kind of goes to where I can, you can probably improve if you're on a scale of 1 to 10. You can improve any area by about three points. So mm-hmm. whatever my week, I still want to work on that, but I got to make sure I, I hit the stuff that I'm strong in because that's what's going to help separate me from everybody else. Right. And that's that's focus on the things that make you different. Still, I like that. I'm going to steal that one from you. <laughs> All good. Now, now, Answer this. What is the toughest thing that you've had to overcome thus far in your career? Um, I would probably have to say the toughest thing I've had to overcome is not seeing my dad in the stands every game, honestly. I mean, whether it was basketball or not, you grow up and, you know, that was, that was I mean, aside from my mom and my brother. My, I mean, that was my rock. That was my guy. That was my biggest part of my support system. So, and it's like he got to see everything else. So it just kind of, it just kind of sucks. And it's something that I still kind of battle with to this day, I guess. But like, I'm proud of myself because I am able to, you know, still perform. Like I, I got my first like professional like career double double last night. And as much as I wish that he could, like, well, there's so many times that I wish that he could, like, be here. See, obviously, he wouldn't have been able to come see me anyways because COVID. But um, I feel like that's my, I guess, my biggest, like, hurdle. But it's also, like, one of my biggest motivations. Like, I know he wouldn't want me to be down here you know, not doing the best that I can do, you know, just because he's not here anymore. So it's it's my biggest struggle, but it's also my biggest motivation to keep me pushing. Yeah, I can understand that. I can understand that. The, um, all right, you kind of hit this earlier, but I'm going to allow you to hit it again. Um, How different is the pro game from a college game? First, from a a on the court perspective, and then let's talk about it from the off the court perspective. Okay, so on the court, it's a way faster pace. Like they try, like even when I went to USC before I left, they were like, "College is a faster pace in high school," and I was like, "Oh, I think I'll be okay." It's, you get smacked with the same situation. Like even though college basketball like fast pace and da da da. WBA is even faster. Like, you have to think about it. We go through training camp for maybe a total of two weeks, a proper training camp. Two weeks, two weeks. 
two weeks and a half. And you have to pick up the plays and all that other stuff. Depending on who your coach is, you have, like, little to no time to know these plays. You have to pick up, like, a whole playbook, remember all this stuff, uh, remember how to do specific drills, X, Y, Z, all all types of that stuff. So it's nuts. But, well, yeah, and then, well, I guess a big difference, I guess I would consider it on the court since technically it does involve what goes into, like, us being able to do our jobs on the court. But when it comes to um, strength and conditioning, I personally right. think they know that, like, we're going to be, do- we might probably be doing this for a while. Our bodies are going to be getting a little, without like, hitting with a little wear and tear. So we probably don't need to, like, go too crazy. So we don't do, like, heavy, heavy lifting like we see us in, like, intro videos at, like, colleges and whatnot. Like, we don't, we don't do all of that that bad. If you want to, of course you can. But typically, I guess they just try to do things that are, like, rehabilitation and relaxing and everything. But honestly, being on the court, it's it's fun. And sometimes it's crazy. I know my rookie year, I can't remember which game it was, but it was back when Maya Moore was playing. And I'm glad I was able to come back and actually be able to play against her before she was hired. But sometimes I'm just, like, that's my rookie year. I was out there, I was just like, I don't watch these people on TV all the time. And now that I play defense again, especially when I had to play defense against Brittany Griner, I was a little upset. I knew I, it was going to be my turn to do it when it was my turn. But it was just so fun. Like, I very much enjoy playing basketball, obviously. I wouldn't make it my profession if I did it. But it's just so much fun. It's fast-paced. And then, you know, you got the right teammates. You out there, you hype. You know, you having fun, and it's a really it's a really enjoyable environment to be on. I mean, bench atmosphere is always you know a vibe, but it's just different. It's just cool. But like off the court, it's kind of it's kind of it's. I mean, it's basically like college. The only really, I guess, best thing about it is I'm not entirely sure like what goes on with the the colleges anymore in terms of like per diems or if they, like, give them money on a waitress anymore. I don't really know. But I would probably have to say the biggest, like, off-court difference is it's literally the same situation. You know, you you take a plane to the city you're going to. Uh, we get per diem, and then they're just like, all right, make sure you're on the bus for the game at this time tomorrow. <laughs> like, being, that, being able to feel like an adult was the best. I think. Oh, so you mean I would uh, Coach Staley? Mm-hmm. Coach, Coach Staley didn't give me and say y'all be here at a certain time. She she didn't let you all just roam free. No, I mean, but I can understand why it's different with like college kids because, I mean, technically the coach is still responsible for you, and I mean they. I just feel like it's easier for, like, coaches and whatnot if their kids are, you know, they know their kids are in the dorms or anything like that or, like, just not kind of one person goes with the success and so-and-so. Like, obviously they don't mind. The people come visit, like, 
at the hotels and whatnot. But but she used to take our phones, so we kind of couldn't really need to go anywhere. You said she used to take y'all's phones. Yeah, she. So before every game, away games as well. I think uh, I can't remember if there was a specific time frame, like every time consistently that she would take them. But she would come, she would take our phones, and we wouldn't get them back until after the game was over, the following day. Now, now uh, we used to do that um, when I was at Carolina. We took the players' phones at night after uh, dinner. And then we figured mm-hmm. out that most of the players, they gave us their second phone. <laughs> and they had mm-hmm. another phone with so uh, we're like, there's no use doing that because we don't know how many phones they have. So after a while, we just like, keep going. Yeah, I'm going to say, we, we had iPads and everything. So I was just like, okay, have the phone. Yeah, you had a phone. I can talk to anybody I want to with my iPad. Yeah. <laughs> but. All right. Before we finish up, I've got one last question for you. All right. If you could give a, a word of advice to a 15-year-old Elena Coates, what would it be? If I give advice to a 16-year-old me, mm-hmm. I would tell her to keep those arms flexible because that length-to-length full-court pass is very valuable. Um and I would also tell her to stop being so embarrassed and shy when it comes to, like, starting out with practicing with people, playing with new people at that, like, it's going to be okay. They're not going to think you're weird. They just want to hoop just like you do. It's going to be fine. And I definitely want to tell her she needs to get in the gym a whole lot more than what she's doing at the age of 16. So, even in high school, getting that strength and conditioning, which a lot of people from a basketball standpoint, I would imagine, um, probably don't feel is as important. Um, they need to mm-hmm. get That is good. That is good. I heard a story about Ralph Sampson. You heard of Ralph Sampson before? Uh, you know that name? I don't think. I don't think I have. Ralph Sampson, it was really the story was who's better, Michael Jordan or Ralph Sampson coming out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, the word I got from some strength coaches is Ralph Sampson didn't want to work that hard in the weight room, so that's why you don't know who Ralph Sampson is. But you definitely know who Michael Jordan is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that was that was it. I mean, coming out of high school, you remember him, don't you, Maurice? Um, coming out of high school, I mean, it was like which one is better? I mean, they were two great players. Uh, but one of them said, "Hey, I'm gonna do everything I got to do to be the best that I can be." And like I said, I wasn't there, but the word from some strength coaches was he didn't work as hard in the weight room, and he didn't last very long, uh, and wasn't as productive um, in the NBA arena. So yes. Getting, getting that workout in is very important. It's very important. So. Yes. 
We're good. And uh, good luck to you the rest of the season. How many more games do you all have? Um, shoot. I think we have – it's either six or seven left, I believe. All right. Are you all in the yeah, position to make the playoffs? Um, it's, it's up in the air, honestly. We My team didn't start off too great, but – we're kind of like pulling wins out of nowhere, so we're just gonna have to see on that one. Hopefully, so we are here working though. So. Don't, make, don't make it we're happen. Trying. I, I have. Congratulations! We're gonna go try and make this. I'm sorry. I said congratulations on your double double. You go get yourself Thank a playoff. Thank you. Thank you so That's much. The first one. Thank you so much. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. Once again, thanks for joining us, and sometime we'd love to have you come join us again. Um, But we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Hold on. If this world were mine, all cows would be 27 feet long. With a diamond in the back.
everybody doing? This is Everett Sands of the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. We're back. Uh, we just got finished talking to a WNBA star. Uh, well, she's, she was in the WNBA, and now she's playing overseas. Uh, but as she said, she's getting the opportunity to get paid to do something that she loves to do, which is a great thing. Now we have somebody else that's joining us um, that, in essence, gets paid to do what she loves to do. And one of the things that she loves to do is pour it into people. Uh, please help me welcome Miss Tawana Edelton. Tawana, how's everything going? Good. Everything is going well. Thank you so much for having me this evening. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Of course, of course. Um, I got my, my co-host Maurice Johnson on, Mo Johnson on, and we know your husband really, really well. We had opportunity to play ball. <laughs> That's right. Yes, yes, you do. I remember those days very well, and he has some really good memories of his time with you all and time there in Charleston at the Citadel. Yes, he did. That we did. That we did. Absolutely. You know, from from college to to where you are now, um, and how you became a life coach. Sure, sure. Well, um, you know, started out, um, graduated from the College of Charleston, and um, from that point just really had a pretty extensive career in nonprofit, especially doing, um, you know, large special events, um, really doing a lot of fundraising for a lot of national nonprofits, American Cancer Society, the Heart Association. Um, And what was interesting about working in that space is that Um, The common denominator was people, always about people and managing relationships. I also um, had a career in sales, marketing, et cetera. And, again, when I look at everything in its totality, um, being able to effectively communicate with people, and um, I'm one of these people who you might have heard the saying, a person that's never met a stranger. I am that person. I would sit on the airplane, and then all of a sudden someone would just start up a conversation or what have you. But I think what was interesting about that is people just naturally felt comfortable sharing, um, just sort of whatever it is, whether it's a challenge or a goal that they were looking to um, to attain. And what's interesting is that what I learned about myself was um, – I had a knack for just, again, listening and from a non-judgmental perspective and really not looking at things as being right or wrong, but they just are in a certain way. And um, what was neat about in those discussions and in that self-discovery was really thinking about the fact that most people know exactly what they need to do. Um, They might not have just put the time and the effort to really think through what the process might be. Another way to look at that, too, um, in my um, dealing with people just across my career was people oftentimes would have roadblocks, just not really know, not really know how to work around them, how to really put together a plan to really um, get to where they, they want to be. And then the other perspective is that oftentimes, the answer that they needed was really inside of themselves or what have you. But if you don't spend the time to really dig deep and have a proper communication um, around that particular topic, it sometimes it's hard 
to really see that that answer is right there in front of you. So I, I kind of took my knack for listening and communication and being able to help others um, get to where they want to be and, and really putting, to get, putting forth meaningful change. I took that as an opportunity to really think about how can I put this to work, so to speak, and um, knowing that, ha- that I had that particular gift, um, I really just started doing my research in terms of how do I um, look to become a professional life coach and really sort of turn that gift into something that I enjoy um, doing, but then also turn it into a business, so to speak. And um, so that's sort of where it started and why. And it's interesting that I got my certification about four years ago and really worked um, to go through um, the certification process with IPEC. And what was interesting is that the timing was just never right in my mind to to launch my own business, um, certainly being a wife, a mom, and a, a mom of a, a daughter who, who at the time was, you know, very heavily and very heavily involved in sports and after-school activities, AAU tournaments, travel, everything. It just never seemed to be the right time to squeeze launching a business onto an already heavy plate. And um, what was interesting, though, is I I feel like the pandemic was the thing that really caused the shift and created the space for me to really get into this space where I am doing what I love to do, and that's professional life coaching. Now, one, um, I'm going to solicit a little bit here. for you to, when you have time, to come help the West Foundation, since you've done so much of an extensive job with the nonprofits and your fundraising, we need to get you to come help us. Absolutely, I um, it, that that was a, a, a an interesting journey. Um, I learned a lot about you know, the, the right pockets of, of people to connect with, you know, what types of, of events are appealing, what types of corporations you should look to connect with um, in terms of building a pool of, of dollars that you can pull from to be able to provide the services from your foundation. So, yes, I, I'd be happy to connect with you um, even more on that topic and be a resource. All right, well, we'll talk about that later. Okay. But <laughs> I want to shift gears just a little, because um, sure. we, you know, we just got finished talking to Elena Coates, um, mm-hmm. who won a national championship, got opportunity, got drafted in the WNBA, played a couple of years, now she's overseas, and your daughter is playing college basketball. Um, yeah. So uh, where and what year is she? I lost you just just there for a second. Would you repeat the question? Where is your daughter playing, and what year is she? Okay, yes. Um, So her name is Chandler Edelton, and she is a freshman at Marymount University in Arlington, Virginia. And um, I'll have to say she was a late bloomer in basketball and interesting when she first started, and she'll tell you to this day, like, just didn't really know that that was going to be her sport from how she was performing early on. But something 
was just stirred inside of her. Um, she was really determined to really think about, okay, I like this sport. Matter of fact, I'm enjoying learning how to play it. But I really want to be good, and I want to be good enough to play at the collegiate level. So it was, I've learned so much just watching her process from middle school and then um, moving on through um, junior varsity to varsity team, you know, from someone who hasn't played their entire life, so to speak, and to watch her just refine her craft. So um, I, I love talking about her in that aspect because I was able to see – just very, you know, firsthand from a parent perspective, watching your child set a goal for themselves and then really be disciplined about what it would take to accomplish those goals. The, now, one, um, not sure if you had opportunity to hear the last part of it, um, when she was talking about the importance of the weight room. Um, so, if you if you didn't get a chance, you know, that was one of the things that Elena talked about, that if she can give herself uh-huh. some advice, she would tell us. But it sounds like I'm yeah. sure Chandler is. She is a, a very dedicated and disciplined player. I, I will have to say even, you know, think about it, it's her, her senior year was interrupted um, as many students across the world um, certainly experience that, um, you know, no prom and, um, you know, sort of finish, they had just finished their, their season, so that part wasn't interrupted. But then it was all the other things, the graduations, the parties, et cetera, the being able to work at her upcoming university um, over the summer to work at the summer camp to where she could use that time for readiness or what have you. But what was interesting um, is that she took that particular time, that pause, so to speak, that, that COVID presented, and she used that as an opportunity to figure out, okay, while I can't go to the gym, you know, uh, courts are closed, what can I do? So she took what she couldn't do and really turned the focus on what can I do. So I literally watched her every day, set her alarm, get up at the crack of dawn, work out, she'd go into the garage, get on the elliptical, she'd go through her drills, she'd go outside, pull, you know, pull down the, the, the court or what have you, and she's working out in the street, um, working on drills, fundamentals. It's, and that was an everyday situation from the time COVID hit up until the very day that she left to go to college. And there wasn't a time to where – you know, myself or Ray had to say, okay, Chandler, you really should put some work in. Oh, no, her mind was set. This is what I'm going to do. I understand that there's an expectation um, of when I show up, regardless of whether we have a season or not, I need to be ready. And that particular mindset, um, I think, is one that um, I'm certainly proud of uh, in terms of being able to see her develop into a player and continue to keep such a strong work ethic. But I think it certainly um, it speaks to what Elena was sharing about, you know, continuing those workouts and continuing to, to always be in shape and make sure that you are ready for whatever comes forth in terms of when it's time to play. And they used to say, don't get ready, stay ready. Stay ready. 
stay ready. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking about COVID and how it affected Chandler, um, mm-hmm. I imagine that is the exception and not the norm. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as you're, you're stepping into the life coach role, and I'm sure you've seen how COVID has affected a lot of people, but mm-hmm. what can a lot of people do to strive to reach their potential, even though COVID has stopped them from their normal routine. Absolutely. Um, and you're right. This was a disruption that none of us saw coming. None of us could have even planned for it to say it literally stopped, um, you know, the world uh, to, to your point. And um, it really flipped life as we knew it completely upside down. Uh, for me, it was really about a, first just acknowledging what has happened. This is hard. This is uncomfortable. This is not normal. This is what it is at at the moment. And I think when you put yourself in the position of just really acknowledging the space that you're in, that really kind of makes things normalized. Um, It takes a little bit of time, of course, to really process all that's happening. But I think when you give yourself the space to acknowledge how you feel, I'm upset, I'm frustrated, this is different, X, Y, Z, you give yourself space to feel. But even as you're giving yourself space to feel, that's really the time where the mind just kind of starts to work about, okay, I I really need to, to think about this thing. I still have goals. What can I do with this extra time that I've been given? Um, Is it really so bad? Or can I really take this, this, this abnormal and really make a new normal? Um, what what goals do I have that I haven't put time to? Um, to me, it, it kind of created and reiterated the power of just choice and um, really being mindful of the decisions that we make, using it as time to really reflect on what you've done. But then what else is there left to do? Uh, for me, it was about taking a self-audit. And I, I felt like in that particular space, yes, you know, I, I wish we could have had a graduation ceremony or I wish we could have gone on the cruise that we had booked over the summer or what have you. But while those things are missing, there is still time. Time is the only constant. And every day that we wake up really is a gift. And I can really choose to sit here and wallow in self-pity about how awful things are. Or I can say, okay, I get this. This is different. However, with this time, here is what I can do. And for me, it was about literally thinking about my life and what I have done, but what was left there still to do. And uh, really putting um, the life coaching certification into activation and starting a business, like that, that was a thing. And I figured, why not now? And I heard everything from, it's a pandemic, what are you going to do? And it's just like, okay. But I won't know until I try. It, it's, it's literally making the decision um, to move and to move forward and take this, uh, this time and this pause in life as we knew it as a little sweet spot, so to speak, to really put in the time, the effort, the work to really think about what's next and what haven't you done. What are those things that you said, oh, someday I will take those some days and make them into today. And that's literally um, how I was able to just really think about 
how I shifted my perspective in a time where things just were different and unique and really put the, put the focus then on um, how can I utilize this and turn what appears to be a bad thing into something good, something beautiful, and something about moving forward. So one of the, that's a, you know, that, that, that's really, um, really good stuff and inspiring. It sounds like, you know, from, from how you took this COVID um, situation and your daughter as well, uh, sounds like you guys got a lot of self-starter in your, in your bloodline as well. So congratulations mm-hmm. there. Thank Just, you. You're welcome. What would you say um, to the parents right now of children, um, you know, boys, girls, and the like that are, you know, still struggling through this? Um, you know, maybe mm-hmm. they're, 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 you know, kids that maybe don't have an a, 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 a um, an athletic gift or and they're very sociable and the like. What would you say mm-hmm. to them? How would you, as a parent, you know, as a life coach, give parent, a parent recommendation on how to um, how to get their sons or daughters, you know, inspired during this time where they don't have friends that they can go to play dates with and they're not in school mm-hmm. or they're in a, in a school with, with kids while the teachers are looking at the screen. What would you, what would you say and what kind of advice mm-hmm. would you give parents? Yeah, that is a really good point. And you're right. Not everybody has sort of that self-will or self-determination. Some people it takes a little work or really getting it from other people and parents, um, I really think is a, they're a sector, too, to where they've been thrown into a, a quandary of they're now the parent, they, they are the teacher, they're the banker, they're everything that that household needs to, to, to run um, effectively at this point. So to them, first off, again, acknowledging that, hey, I get it, it's hard, and really allowing the space just for people to share how they feel about it, not just how they feel about it, but what is their outlook at this point? And really having conversations about, you know, what, what do you need? How can I help? And I think sometimes when we approach parents in that way, we, we kind of get on their level, so to speak. We give them the space to really share what it is that their challenges are, they get a chance to share their their feelings or their desires about what they wish the, the situation was at this point. Um, but I think that's first and foremost, giving them space to share and to, and to communicate um, and not negating how someone feels. You want to at least acknowledge, you know, what they share, because let's be realistic, even the most motivated person, this pandemic has really even pinched our, our last nerves at some point and being real about that. And I think when we can be real and, and all the while giving them the space to communicate and share how they feel, I think that, that that's a start. But I also think, too, it's a perfect opportunity once they have actually shared how they feel. At some point, the conversation, um, and you've got to think about how that feels right naturally, um, just sort of that natural pivotal point. How do we shift then from the, okay, this is how we feel. I've acknowledged that, yes, this is challenging. This is hard. But I'd love to really think, I'd really love to hear more about now, um, six months from now, 10 months from now, a year from now, start really to get their mind thinking about what is it that they hope to see in the next year. That, that's, that's sort of a visioning ex- exercise. What would you like to see, you know, and there is a difference between sort of what do you see and what would you like to see. 
And when I think when you sort of allow the, the time for transition for them to start to articulate what they see in their mind, what their goals are, what their visions are, that then transitions from the current state to sort of where we would like to be. And then once they then have the opportunity to really paint the picture, then the conversation becomes, let's talk about how we get there. Let's talk about what you'd like to see first. What's the one thing you think you can do today to, um, to really get you to that point? So it's really sort of, again, meeting people where they are, acknowledging how they feel, but then get them to really start to think about what do they see when they think about life post-pandemic or even within a time frame um, further along from where you are currently. So giving them an opportunity to emote and then refocus them on the prize mm-hmm. and keep their mm-hmm. eyes on That's good. Exactly, exactly. And you might have to repeat that process a few times because we know that, that communication is um, it's a cycle. You know, so we, we sort of listen and, listen and then we acknowledge, and then from that point, it, it's really thinking about, okay, what's that tr- point of transition? How can I pivot to to what's next? And you'll notice when you pivot and you start to think of what's next, that's that natural sweet spot to where you can cra- – the, the energy of the conversation shifts, and I think that that's important because it, again, puts people in a in a space to where they feel like, okay, I can see myself moving forward, and how can I get to that particular point um, with what steps? And you sort of work on, you know, what that plan looks like. And I think, too, when you have those natural discussions, you may be able to even brainstorm some resources that um, could help the family based on what their needs are. You might be able to identify some opportunities even for kids to get together virtually or what have you. But, again, starts with the conversation. Good Thank you. And you know what, man? I tell you what, time just goes by so fast sometimes when you're having fun. Um, <laughs> so just, just know I'm gonna ask you back because you know I wanted to talk something about leadership, uh, but but we're we're fastly coming up, coming up coming up on the the end of our time. Um, so let me let me sort of shift a little bit and ask this. What kind of advice would you like to give a young person as they strive for success? Mm-hmm. Very good question. Set goals. Set goals. Definitely um, be comfortable with, with sort of deciding where you want to be. Um, start breaking those goals down into, okay, what will it take to get me there? Um, and the good thing about setting goals is they're your goals, they're your dreams, they're your aspirations. Those are things that are unique to you. And then I, I would also challenge, um, you know, young adults to really think through how do I see myself? What do I bring to the table? Um, it, it's interesting. Elena said something that was very key, you know, what makes me different from the person next to me? you know, outside of the things that we can see physically, but what makes me different? Um, what are the areas that I want to work on? And making sure, too, that, that the goal is always, you know, as you're aspiring to meet your goals, what is it going to take to get me there? Um, be prepared always. Um, be confident in putting in the work. 
And I would also tell young adults that perfection does not exist. It's a myth. Um, So you're going to make mistakes. Mistakes are normal. It's really about how we purpose those mistakes. There are opportunities to learn and there are opportunities that share um, or that can teach you what to do different, differently next time. Um, and, and, and in closing, I would also tell them to, to um, always be curious, always be open with asking questions, always be fine with doing the research, continue to keep pushing. And I think that, you know, when you think about your goals and when you think about being curious and when you think about your work ethic and what makes you unique, you've got a good, um, a good foundation of things in your tool belt to just sort of not only get you started, but I think um, those are tools that will help you regardless of whether you're an athlete, um, whatever your career aspiration is. But those are, those are lifelong lessons that I would, would definitely share with young adults. Good words, good words, good words. Set goals, be comfortable in where you decide to be. Remember that mm-hmm. your goals, how do I see myself, what do I bring to the table, what is it going to mm-hmm. take to get to my goal. Now, this one, you know, my wife told me I was the perfect husband. So... <laughs> I I guess perfection, you know, it it, it certainly is subjective. How about that? We'll let you be a perfect I might have been dreaming when she told me. I can't really, I can't tell if that that really happened or that was a dream. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. But uh, we do appreciate you joining us, and again, we definitely want to get you back on because I think you know, hey, of course, time just seems. We got so much that we can talk about, and, and that could be so, um, so much of something as you talked about, it, something we can put on a tool belt for these young people mm-hmm. that will help them. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it, and we will get you back. You on. are so be welcome. Ready. That sounds Thank you. good. Anytime. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Good night. Take a quick break and we'll be back in a few.
how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands of the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. We're back. Um, I've already had two great guests, and we've got another one coming up right now. We've got Miss Brianna and Azola. Brianna, how's everything going? I am doing good. Thank you for having me. Hey, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. We know that you're out there in Texas, but of course we keep in Texas in our prayers. So hopefully uh, you haven't been affected or, or as much as what we've seen on television. Yes, I haven't been affected as much as others. So hopefully everyone else is um, getting back on their feet and everything returns back to normal. Now, if it's, you know, for my time in San Antonio, if it got cold, it was usually two days later and it was back up to 50, 60 degrees. Is, has it, is it that type of time or is it still a little cool over there in, in Texas? Um, so we're back wearing shorts and T-shirts. Um, so thankfully, it, it we're out of the 50s now. Good, 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 good. Well, hey, tell us a little bit about your journey. Let's shift to, to why we brought you on. Let's tell us a little bit about your journey in college and, and since you left. All right. So um, I graduated from the University of Texas at San Antonio in 2018 with my bachelor's of science and uh, kinesiology with a concentration in athletic medicine. So I had the uh, opportunity to be a student athletic trainer with the UTSA football team for two years. Um, after uh, my bachelor's, I went and decided to do my master's of business administration with a focus in marketing. So I just recently graduated from U of H Victoria in 2018 on my MBA. Uh, yes, uh, in December, I'm sorry. Just uh, graduated in December 2020. Um, along the years, I actually was juggling school and also chasing my dream to be a Houston Texans cheerleader. Um, I never had the opportunity of being on the actual team, but I did enjoy my journey of the five years of trying out with the team. So um, that's a little about me. Yeah, yeah. The, um, what did, so you, so you, five years. So five different times you tried out, right? Yeah. All of that, um, what did you learn about yourself as you were trying out? Um, I learned a lot. So I started when I was uh, 20 years old, I believe. I was 19, 20 years old. Um, so along those five years, it was not only was it eating right, was it working out, was it um, dancing, getting back into the rhythm of things, learning different styles along those five years. But growing up doing that from 19, 20 years old up until last year, until I was 25, um, I think that's a very important time in any adult uh, growth stages to see who you are. Um, you're going through college, you're graduating college. Um, so during those times, I learned that I have a lot more dedication and a lot more um, what is it called, discipline compared to people my age. Um, most people would have given up on something after the first maybe one or two times. So doing it five times, I had a lot of discipline, determination. Um, and it also 
showed me that I am a lot more social than I thought. Um, so going into these tryouts, you're meeting hundreds of new girls. You're, some girls, they try out with friends. I was coming from San Antonio, going to Houston, um, not trying out with any of my friends. So it made me uh, go be more social. Um, those social skills are definitely huge, especially when you're growing up as an adult, networking with other people. Um, so it was those five years taught me a lot, even though I didn't make the team. Um, so that's my journey with five years there. One of the things um, that we talk about here at the West Foundation is that you can be successful without being a professional athlete. And in my mind, the Texans cheerleading squad, you're a professional athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, You're at a position where and I think that dedication and discipline that you had pushed you, and I think that you're going to be able to be successful down the road. But what kind of things sort of kept you going? I mean, you know, five um, years, you know, and you know, be like, okay, I'm gonna try again after year two. What 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 sort of pushed you to keep keep working? Um. So I know a lot. There's a lot of. Um, negativity around uh, professional cheerleading about the pay and um, the harsh comments that are apparently said but the environment that I was placed in in those five years um, again you network with so many girls you just want to continue meeting these new girls and guys occasionally there was guys that tried out um, those friendships they say I still talk to multiple girls that I, I've met along those years Um, But the other thing, too, was um, the growth that I had. Again, um, I went in 19, 20 years old trying out with a 1,000 girls. I was shy. Um, That first year, I barely made it past the first round. I was super shy. And they can see that. They can see the confidence in somebody, how you present yourself out there in front of those thousands of girls. Um, And along these years, my confidence built up um, throughout the years second, third, fourth, and fifth, or fifth year, we tried out virtually. So second, third, and fourth year, I put myself out there in front of those thousands of girls. 18, 19-year-old me, 20-year-old me would not have done that, did not do that. Um, so seeing my confidence grow, um, knowing how hard I worked, and seeing that I can continue working hard, even through, um, even through a pandemic last year, we were forced to um, go virtual for trials. A lot of girls would have just given up but I still wanted to go and show my confidence because I knew I had that growing, uh, growing along those five years. Your preparation. And again, I think this is sort of the proof that, that again, you're an athlete. What does your preparation look like? You know, uh, talk talk about eating and working out, but, but really, I mean, how much time and, and effort was that in there? Um, so, thankfully, having experience as a student athletic trainer, being in those classes, um, you know exactly how to take care of yourself. So, um, eating right, um, sleeping, um, stretching, your body is very important in this process. Um, but mentally as well, um, 
not only was I having to work out five times a week, making sure I was eating very clean, um, because an NFL cheerleader is athletic. Um, but mentally, you have to make sure you wanted this um, and you were dedicated as well. So I would work on it year-round, um, eating clean, working out, dancing. I would also work on my speech skills. Um, so NFL cheerleaders are the face of an organization as well. So making sure you're able to uh, put yourself out there uh, in the community and be able to speak to the public. Um, so I would work on my speech skills as well. Um, any opportunity that I had to speak in front of a group, I would go ahead and do that as well. Um, and that also, that was all while still being school as well. So maintaining school work and balancing that, um, that's how I would prepare for tryouts. Yeah. Here's, here, you said something there, and I'm asked the personal, I mean, the athletic trainer side of you to, to sort of answer this one. Um, you talked about eating right. You talked about stretching. You talked about working out. But you also said sleeping. Now, how important is sleeping to you being as fit as you can be? So you need to make sure your body rests. You need to make sure you are at that mental capacity um, you don't want to stress yourself out. Um, and I think that's today, unfortunately, that's why I lack. I stress myself out, and I know it's due to lack of sleep. You don't want to overwork yourself. Um, you just want to balance it all out. You want to make sure your body's recovering. Not only is that just eating right and stretching, that is sleeping. You want to make sure you're getting a good night's sleep so you're well-rested for the next day to be mental, uh, mentally there for whatever um, that day holds. Now, I believe, and, and again, that's just my belief, that I don't need as much sleep as some other people. You know, I'm a five to seven. I believe I'm a five to seven hour guy. Uh, is there truth behind everybody doesn't need the same amount of sleep, or should everybody strive to get eight hours of sleep every night? Not everybody needs the same amount of sleep. So what one person does in their work day is different from another person's work day. Um, some people can function off of four to five hours of sleep, and if they sleep any longer, then they feel like they're groggy. Um, so it's very important to listen to your body. Um, so I can, I know, knowing me, if I sleep more than eight hours, that's too much for me. I usually try and get on average six to seven because that's where I feel well rested. But sleeping is important. It is important. And now you um, and now that you have your masters, you got your masters. You said it was in. Uh, you got an MBA. Yes. And so, what are you planning on doing with that? What was what's your thought process? So I actually accepted a job with Amazon. So this goes again with. Um, where I know I have determination. Um, so I applied with Amazon for over eight months, kept getting a no. Um, so I was finally given the opportunity. So I will be relocating to Tucson, Arizona to work with Amazon, which is actually one of my dream companies to work for. So I will be moving next month over there to Arizona, finally. 
And what are you going to be doing with Amazon? I will be an area manager, so I will be in the warehouse where I'll oversee over uh, 50 to 200 uh, employees there, making sure everybody's packages are on time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, the and I'm and I'm just just curious. You you went from kinesiology to MBA. That's a uh-huh. big. What, what 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 took you from the training side, whether athletic training or whatever, to the business side? Um. So when I first got my bachelor's, I was very much. Uh, inspired to be an athletic trainer for the Houston Texans. So you can tell I'm a huge Houston Texans fan. Um, So I remember going to Houston Texans training camp and I saw athletic trainers and I was like, okay, that's what I want to be because I love football. Um, But when I graduated with my bachelor's, I was 24. I was 24. I don't know. When I was applying to get my master's in athletic training, I just didn't feel like I had the same passion to be an athletic trainer. Um, so I took a year out of school to determine what I wanted to do. Um, so I didn't want to pay for school for, to be something I didn't want to be. Um, and then I determined that I wanted to lead a team. That's always something I've been good at. I've had a previous management history, and that's something I've always loved is um, leading a team. And then I've also loved traveling, and so I wanted to join a company that would give me the opportunity to either relocate in the States or relocate um, internationally. So I believe Amazon was one of the reasons why I got my MBA, knowing that they provided opportunities around the world in it could be in different departments, um, giving you the opportunity to grow in different ways that you would have never thought of. Now, around the world, would you like to be? You say um, you want to go around Australia. the world. Australia. Okay. Why Australia? So that, I just love their culture. Um, so they're, Kind of similar, I believe, to the U.S., but they're, I feel like they're more active in their lifestyles. Um, the weather tends to be a little bit better over there. Um, hopefully it doesn't, what happened in Texas doesn't happen over there. Um, but the culture is just different. I would love to learn more about their culture, live that active lifestyle, live um, and visit just the different places that they have over there in Australia. So I believe uh if I'm given the chance to relocate over there, I'm going to take it in an instant um, just to go experience life over there. Now, so you've shifted gears. Uh, I went from athletic trainer to, at the same time, I'm pursuing opportunities to be a Houston Texan cheerleader, even though I'm thinking I'm going to school so I can eventually be a athletic trainer with the Texans, shift gears, go NBA. Do we go for number six? Are you sort of saying, all right, hey, on, or if the opportunity presents itself, will you start training and, and push one more time? 
Um, so this year I'm going to step away from it um, just because um, this is the time of year where you usually get ready to try out. Um, but because I'm moving, I'm in the process of moving. It's a little bit more than I can handle. Um, so, again, that goes back to listening to your body. Um, so it's a little bit more than I can handle mentally and emotionally. Um, so I don't think, though, it's the end of it. Um, I still have that passion to be on the sidelines. Will it be for the Houston Texans? I'm not too sure. But I do have the passion to cheer for an NFL team. Arizona Cardinals. You all moving to Arizona. Yeah, that's 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 been in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely you're right there. You never know what might happen. You never know. Now, um let me, you know, with 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 our previous guest we were, we were talking a little bit about uh actually Elena Coates, the mental aspects of things. Um, from a mental standpoint, what kind of stress or things did you overcome as you were pursuing um, your dream of being a Texas cheerleader? Um, so, again, trying out for cheerleading a pro and a, a pro cheer team, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of sacrifices and not many girls go through this process and not many people at all go through this process, not just girls. But um, so a lot of my friends didn't understand why maybe I couldn't go out partying with them because they didn't understand how important to me it was to wake up the next morning um, to be at the gym. Um, some people didn't understand that um, not only was I going trying out for Houston Texan cheerleaders, I was still in school, so I still needed to balance a school life, work life, and physical, physical, being physical, uh, being in shape. So it was just a lot more, um, it was more stressful trying to get my friends to understand what I was going through, but a lot of people will not understand um, the stress that you, that something like this can bring upon you. So, um, it wasn't until maybe last year when I finally realized that um, maybe I shouldn't focus on making them happy and making them understand. If they don't understand, then that's fine. You're do- I was doing something different, and I was happy with what I was doing. Um, but it took a long time for me to recognize that. It was a time for you to understand that is about what's going to make me happy and not what's going to make them happy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. Let me ask you this. Um, what piece of advice would you give a young person who wants to be a professional athlete? Um, number one thing for sure is be confident. Um, if you make a mistake, Figure out what it is, change it, uh, ask, ask others, ask your mentors for advice. Um, you're not going to know everything. Um, another thing, too, is adapt, adapt to your environment. Um, I think that's the biggest thing we've all learned this past year, just with the pandemic. Um, be flexible if you want it. You'll figure a way out to get it. 
and also um, push yourself out of your comfort zone. Don't don't be comfortable. Keep going for more. You're capable of a lot more than what you're able than what you think you're able of. As you say that, let me ask you this. Um, what was the biggest factor for you to get out of your comfort zone? Um, I was used to just, um, I was very much to myself at the beginning. Again, this is, it, it has to do with confidence, too. I was very uh, used to being by myself. And I thought I could just go into tryouts and do it on my own because I was trying to make the team on my own. But it wasn't just that. Along the way, it's also taking dance classes for dance styles that you may not be comfortable with, that you may never have tried. It's getting when they call you to perform in front of the class. You're, you should be the first one out there to go ahead and perform in front of the class. So that was how I push myself out of the comfort zone, and it gave me more confidence. Um, I was that shy little girl in the corner that just thought I could do it on my own and I'll make my way through. Uh, By the end of it, I was that girl that was the first one up in front of the dance class to uh, perform that dance. Did I know it perfectly? Probably not. But again, um, it's pushing myself out of the comfort zone and it's allowing me to make the mistakes and to learn from them. And I think that is, that is big, um, learning from your mistakes, because it's, uh, it's success is not, not making any mistakes. It's learning from them and growing from them. Because um, mm-hmm. if you don't ever make any mistakes, then, then how can you grow? You can't grow if you never make any mistakes. Yeah, and so I think that's extremely important. And for you to be able to put yourself out there um, knowing that I don't know this perfectly uh, is, is definitely uh, a sign of maturity and, and saying, hey, I know I'm not great yet, but I'm going to make a mistake. I'm going to learn from it and keep rolling. And, and I think that's something that's going to definitely help you be successful as as you go on and move through your career. Um now, one last question before we before we uh, have to take a break. Um, what, in your mind, is your end goal? Um, you're working at Amazon now. You like to travel a little bit, but in fifteen, twenty years, what do you want to to have accomplished? Um, my number one goal is to make sure, this has always been my goal, is to make sure I see the world. Um, that's what brings me happiness. Um, so whether that's through being given job opportunities to relocate around the world, then I'll do it that way. Um, so that's my main goal. Um, career-wise, I want to make it up there. Um, whatever company, hopefully it is Amazon. Um, I would like to be one of those you that defy the odds and make it to the top. Um, whether that's being the CEO or maybe something right beneath the CEO. Um, 
but it's definitely making it to the top. Yeah, I think with, with your dedication and your discipline, you definitely have an opportunity to do that. Uh, so, so definitely continue to push yourself, uh, continue to do all the little things that everybody else don't want to do, and that's going to help separate yourself. Uh, so definitely yeah. good luck on that. And we definitely want to look you, forward to, to following. And thank you for joining us tonight. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. It was a pleasure being on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, we thank you, and uh, we'll definitely uh, talk to you sometime soon. And, and as you your career grows, actually, I'm going to speak life on this right now. When you become a, a cardinal cheerleader, we're going to get you back on so we can talk about how you uh, made that thing happen. Okay? Yes, that sounds great. That will that will happen. Sounds good. Well, hey, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a few. Hold on. You're listening to the sounds of DJ Turk Nice. Do it, baby.
disco hour. I don't know where he called it. You have heard. So up to me to spread the word about the man who we feel. It's got to be real. I found this on the wheel to steal. He goes by the name of Grandmaster D. So if it's all right with you, it's all right with me. We're going to rock you people's minds with ease with some help from the mic. So if you please. Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands of the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. We're back with our final guest of the night. And I got a young man that I met about 13 years ago and uh, when I was coaching at the Citadel. He came in as one of our assistant coaches, Mr. Blair Wagner. Blair, how's everything going? Yes, sir, Coach Sands. I'm doing well. Honored to be a part of this thing tonight. I uh, hope there's still some listeners uh, here tonight. I know my whole crew back in Wyoming, mountain time, it's only 6 o'clock out there. So I know we got a lot of support from uh, family back home. But thanks for thinking of me, Coach. Glad to be here. Hey, man, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. The, uh, you've had a, a pretty uh, extensive journey since you left the Citadel. But let's go on back even before that. Tell us a little bit about your journey and where you've been coaching. Yeah, no, I've had a pretty fun story. Uh, just been fortunate to meet a lot of great people such as yourself along the way. So, yeah, prior to my stop at the Citadel, I was actually just across town there in Charleston, working at the College of Charleston. Uh, first time in my life I've been without football, um, which was kind of what led me to the Citadel. But, uh, yeah, prior to my stop in Charleston, I uh, completed my undergraduate degree at the University of Wyoming and, uh, you know, had a, had a great college, uh, I guess, life. Can't call it a career. I hung up the cleats after high school uh, foolishly after turning down a, a few Division II offers. So more or less thought I was better than, than that level, which I regret to this day. Um, but it led me to a pretty cool journey uh, in the field of strength conditioning. And obviously I've met some great people along the way and I've had the honor to serve in a lot of professional organizations, the NFL, the WNBA, Major League Rugby, um, trained Special Forces, Green Beret soldiers, you know, worked in Power 5, FCS level. I've worked all over the college game. So, like I said, everywhere that I've stopped down, I've just tried to leave it better than I found it. Good. Good. The, um, now, you've, so you've trained from professional athletes, to special forces. Yeah, anything any, in between, Coach. Yeah. And from the college – I'm going to go to the college athlete. I'm not even going to the professional athlete. From the college athlete to the, to the special forces, because I imagine they're probably about the same age, what kind of differences and similarities do those kids have? Yeah, so I think anytime you're dealing with – a college level athlete, you know, you're dealing with this, uh, you know, you're dealing with this teenager that's really trying to discover themselves that they're out on their own for the first time in life. Uh, they're really given a huge amount of responsibility, you know, a lot of structure, um, but also a lot of demands, you know, some demands that they're not really used to, you know, uh, you get outside of the Citadel and then some of these kids are responsible for, you know, making their own meals, going to the grocery store, you know, paying certain bills and all that. Um, so I think that's what's special is you get to kind of be a part of that growth process for a college athlete. Um, and obviously they're just their emotional development, you know, far past their physical development. You get to kind of see them grow as a, into a mature adult, you know. 
Uh, when you're getting in with special forces, you know, these guys are, you know, some of these guys are 18 to 20, and then you have, you know, you have soldiers that have been in for 20 years, and they're, and they're you know, they're worth millions of dollars, all their training worth millions of dollars. So, you know, I think on that level, you know, special forces, uh, it was just a different dynamic. You know, these were, these were, these were grown men. Um, these were guys that would invite you over to their barbecues. Uh, you know, you'd go and hang out with like a team course. You'd go and shoot guns on the range at lunchtime, you know, instead of sitting down at the mess hall, you know, back at the Citadel. So th- there's a lot of differences, but uh, there's a lot of similarities as well. There's, again, there's that, that structure that you have to, you have to embrace it. And if you don't, you know, you get weeded out pretty quickly. So, you know, uh, to call yourself a collegiate athlete is special. To call yourself a special forces uh, soldier is special in their own regard. So I think there's, I think there's a lot of similarities. Obviously, there's a lot of differences. What's it like knowing that um, the training you're given uh, people in the special forces potentially could keep them a lot from, keep them from dying? Yeah, that, that's that's the huge honor. That's the huge responsibility. Every every morning when you flip that switch and you walk in and you're looking around, you're you're realizing like we, you have some of the nation's you know the world's best soldiers right at, right at your fingertips. And uh, everything that we do was to prepare them for the demands of their jobs. And their jobs are so so different than anybody could even imagine. Um, you have so many different types of soldiers on each team just like you do on a football team or a basketball team you know like everybody I think here special forces soldiers and they think like Rambo or they think these guys that are just you know jacked and it's not like that you have guys that are medical uh, you have guys that are tech guys you, you do have the guys that are kicking down doors and you know clearing rooms um, but every day that you go in there you know you're looking at how can I make this body more resilient to you know, a possible injury when they're jumping out of planes or they're jumping over fences, landing, you know, crawling, whatever, whatever it may be, you're, you're thinking, how can I put this guy in the best possible situation to defend our nation, you know, in a, in a special ops uh, mission? So that was, it, it was so cool uh, just being a part of that. You know, it's something that you walk in every day and you can't, you can't blast it on Instagram. You can't talk about it. It's just something you show up every day, just like they do. Um, and, and you go to work. You put your head down and you go to work. But I'm telling you, I've never seen a group full of guys that just – you can put them on the floor. I mean, you can lay them down and you can put them through the hardest ringer of workout. And ten minutes later, they're standing up and they're just looking at you like, that's all you got? Like, that's it? And you're just thinking to yourself, this is, this is insane. Like, this is next level. So I think their, their mental capacity and, like, their mental – they're so physically fit that they have no other choice but to be mentally tough. And I talk about that all the time. I'm like, you can't fake fit. And these guys are, you know, some of the elite, you know, training in, in terms of physical preparation that you could even imagine. Um, not not to even include all their, you know, all their other training that goes along with their with their physical preparation. How do, how do you uh, how do you translate how do you translate fitness like athletic performance? I mean, special force stuff like that. The performance that you teach, how do you translate that to, um, you know, the, the kids are, you know, that are playing, maybe they're playing in high school, playing in college, but, you know, maybe they're not going to make it to their professional sports. But how, how do they translate the things that they learn in business to just real life when it comes to a job, family, so on and so forth? How do you translate that? What are some things that you can learn in business to, to, to be a better person? 
Yeah, I think it's all about progression. And then, I mean, it starts with progressions. Like, you need to understand that you can't do the same thing each and every day and expect to get better. So it's about progressing, whether it's in strength or your running or your speed, your mechanics, whatever it may be, but it's about building the best, most efficient version of yourself, right? It's it's making sure that you you are capable of completing the job at the highest level repeatedly. I think that's what, you know, separates most people at the, at the elite levels. There's those that can do the job, right? There's the, like, the list doers. You give them a list, they'll check the list off, they'll, they'll get it done. And then you got the people that can manage a list, right? You can give a list to other people and get them to do the work, and then you got people who can build the list and then, and then hand that list down to others. So to me, like, the way training and sport uh, – even outside of sport, just your daily physical preparedness, like taking care of you, it allows you to have a capacity to give more to others, right? It's, it's about, I think that's what this life's about. It's about how much can you give to others. So when you're not taking care of yourself, uh, you don't have a lot to give at the end of the day. You, you kind of just kind of manage your own business, and then you kind of like, you know, tuck away for the end of the day and wake up and kind of do it again on an average basis. But to me, like, what training taught me over the course of my life and what it teaches me to this day, I mean, I still trade every single day. I do something that's physically challenging for my mind and my body because I know at the end of the day when things start getting hard, you know, when you have deadlines to meet in terms of, you know, projects or, you know, assignments that, that, you, that, you, that people are relying on you for, you find a way, you know, in, that, in those tough times, uh, when your back's up against the wall, you find a way to, to show up and show out on time. And I think – you know what? I, one thing I learned from Sean McVay when I was with the when I was with the Rams is, you know, uh, being at your best when your best is required. That's that's uh, that's competitive excellence. And in order to get to that level, you really do have to put forth some training. So I think any young athlete that's out there understanding that your love for sport, um, it, it is a part of your life, but it's not your entire life. I would look at any involvement in athletics as just just high-quality training to prepare you for the demands of a life after sport. Um, and, and all of us are going to live very, very long lives after sport. Now, we may be involved with sport, but, again, those lessons from training, from your own physical fitness, your strength, are going to give you a great toolbox to be successful later on in life. Now, we was talking earlier, and, and my thought was, that he must have an unbelievable off-season workout. We talk about LeBron James. Um, he's in his mid-30s. He's not a guy you hear of throughout his career getting hurt. Um, where you have talent such as KD, who, who seems to be out more often than he's in. Do you think that's a product of his training? I think any time – so LeBron is I'm, – I'm the same age as LeBron, right? Like, I'm, I'm 36. Uh, I think he's turning th- 36 today or somewhere in February. But every time I look at him, I, I'm just like, my goodness. Like, I am the same age as that man. And look at all the, the amazing things that he's done in his life. But I think it has a lot to do with you, – you know this as well. Both of you guys know, you know, being, you know, college football players – Injury is sometimes is, is, it's luck. You know, sometimes when you're able to have a, that, that type of prolonged career, um, sometimes it is luck, but I, I got I to gotta gear more towards uh, his preparation. I mean, he does it just as 
good as, if not better than, you know, like a Tom Brady. You know, he invests so much of his time into his craft that, uh, you know, it, it's just his daily structure. He wakes up, you know, he's taking care of himself. Now, it's not to say that he's eating the most perfect balanced meals, but he's putting in the training. He's building that armor for his body. Um, he's taking time to restore his body, you know, through massage and all these other things that, uh, you know, he's able to afford. But at the end of the day, um, you know, he's he's not the guy that's going out and, you know, spending time, nights in clubs. I mean, he's at home being a dad, and then, you know, he, put, he, he is a master of his craft. So I think it's just a holistic approach that he takes. Um, but he's special, you know. He's, he's I mean, he's one of the greatest basketball players that will ever live, and, and he'll be talked about, you know, forever. So I think comparing LeBron to KD is – you know, it's, it's they're, they're both great players. Unfortunately, KD has had a couple of setbacks, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, any time a professional athlete uh, puts himself in that arena, they're, they're doing everything they can in order to uh, obviously prevent those things from happening. LeBron just, he's been doing it a lot better than most uh, for quite some time now. Now, you said massage in there. How, how important is a massage to, to being the best physical shape you can be. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just one modality. It's it's, it's just it's another thing that you can add to your to your mix of uh, training. I think when when people hear the word training, I think they think like oh, weight room or you know some form of like physical exertion. I look at training as anything that's going to help you prepare for your next set of demands. So. To me, like, uh, you know, if he's going through, like, a 60-, 90-minute deep massage, like, he's he's just going through a training session in order to prepare his body for the next set of demands. So, like I said, it could be a float tank. It could be cryo. It could be Normatec boots. It could be a deep tissue massage. Um, it could be yoga. It could be dry needling, cupping. It could be any one of those things that these athletes, you know, choose to do, what works for them. Um and, and like I said, I think it's all important. I don't, I can't outrank one or the other. I mean, I think your sport is number one. Obviously, you know, those skills have to be developed. And if you're at that level, obviously they are. But past that, it's all about, you know, what works for you. You know, you hear about the guys that can walk out on the court five minutes before practice, lace them up, and, you know, they can get up and down for, you know, two and a half hours. Like, that, you know, good for them. Um, there are those specimens out there. You know, I think it's all about kind of finding what works for you. And, uh, you know, LeBron's got a great team around him, a lot of dedicated individuals that that's literally their full-time job is just taking care of his body, taking care of uh, his, his needs in order to be successful night in and night out. One of the things you said that you talk about holistic and, um, you know, his holistic approach and, um, you know, I think a, a lot of times, um, you know, people don't understand how important it is to, you know, truly be, try to be holistic in everything you do to try to find that ultimate success. And a lot of the things that, that, you know, they're doing in the West Foundation, they talk about work equals success. And so, like, when you, when you think about, you know, your next set of demands and you think about preparing yourself for it, um, how do you take, I'm sure you have all types of people that come into your facility and want to get trained and they, you know, they want to, you know, lose weight or they recover from an injury or what have you. What are some, you know, what are some of the first couple of questions that you ask them 
um, to try to find out kind of where the hit is. To be honest with you, if we're talking about some of my athletes that I train, like youth athletes, I ask them what their parents' names are. What, what's your parents' name? And what's their phone number, right? Because, like, those are the people that I need to get in contact with. Because depending on – every family is different, right? You have, you have, the, you have the parents – um, that are kind of just they're there to support, drop off, pick up, you know how to go. You have the other parents that are making some of these kids wake up at 5 a.m. and run two miles before they even go to school. Um, so you have all sorts of types of parents. So I ask, I ask that question like it's a, it's a joke, but it's serious. What's your parents' names? Because I want to establish a relationship with them so I can have these conversations about the types of stress they're going through uh, on their daily demands. But you know, in order to really try to create, you know, the best plan of attack for each athlete that I work with. I like to know everything from, you know, what are you doing outside of the facility? There's 168 hours in the week, and I get to see most of my athletes for two of those, you know, two hours a week. So, you know, I'm asking questions like, hey, what do you – you got private lessons? Are, you know, what other sports are you involved in? You know, how, uh, how difficult was, you know, yesterday's practice? Do you have finals or anything coming up? Um, you know, how are you dealing with the demands of, uh, you know, being in virtual school, all that, you know, all those questions are important to me because I know when they come in, I always say like the best part of your day will be with DIA. DIA is the name of, uh, my, uh, performance business, by the way. But, uh, I always say the best part of your day is going to be with DIA. So, you know, for me to understand outside demands truly helps me paint the picture of, how I can properly apply the stress that I need to, to apply that given day in order to, again, create the best possible outcome for them, uh, you know, the following day, whether they have, you know, another practice or a game or if they're in the off season, how can I get them ready for their next training session? So I think just looking, looking at it from a bird's eye perspective and, and just knowing that, Hey, this workout isn't their entire life. It's there's, this is just a small sliver of, of what they're, of what they're doing. So I think just asking all those questions, you know, something simple as, Hey, what'd you eat for breakfast? Um, you know, what time did you go to bed last night? Uh, what time did you turn the cell phone off? You know, all those things uh, are important. Now, how important is nutrition? I mean, you know, coach, I mean, you, you don't look the way you do eating uh crispy creams every, every day. So, um, you know, to me, I think it's all about, Again, I think it's about finding your personal approach and what works for you, right? Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell uh, a kid who's been living off of chicken fingers and french fries to eat lean cuts of meat, chicken, vegetables, and, and whole grain rice for, for dinner. That's just not realistic. But, you know, can I, you know, convince him to eat, you know, one raw vegetable a day or, hey, instead of fried chicken – Monday, Wednesday, Friday, can we maybe start grilled chicken? And then I think the one thing that I can control where they can't say, oh, coach, I don't have money for that or whatever, the one thing they can control is their water intake. And so I always tell these athletes, like, the more water you drink, the more energy you're going to have, um, you know, the less prone to uh, the less prone to injury you're going to have, um, the, better, the, the, the better hydrated you are. Like, your your muscles are more pliable. You're not going to have, you know, as many, you know, risks to uh, muscle muscle strains, stuff like that. You're going to sleep better. Uh, you're going to digest your food better. So something as simple as, hey, can you finish, you know, can you finish a gallon of water per day? And I'm not I'm not asking these kids to walk around with a, with a gallon of water. I'm not saying that's the look. But, you know, every time you stop at a water fountain, you know, I always say, like, 
drinking numbers. Um, and so every time I'm at a water fountain, I'm like, hey, give me a 15 count. And I sit there and count to 15. And if I can't do it in one take, take a breath and go back down. But, uh, yeah, I think something as simple as water intake. But, again, if, if, if kids aren't fueling their bodies properly, uh, athletes, whatever level, high school, collegiate, pro, you know, I mean, I've been there. That's why I don't eat certain foods. People always look at me and they say, like, oh, why aren't you eating that? I got to get up at 5 in the morning. I can't eat this whole pizza tonight. Like, I won't wake up in the morning. And if I do, I'm going to be draggy. I'm going to be bloated. Uh, I'm not going to feel very good. So, you know, I choose – I pick and choose my days to eat certain foods just like I think athletes should. Uh, When I know I don't have to be up at 5 a.m. and and coach, you know, back-to-back groups and train and all those things, um, sure, I mean, I'll I'll dive into some – some heavy pasta with some good sauce and pizza or whatever else. But I think for the most part, athletes need to understand, you know, you hear it all the time. What you put in is what you get out and uh, it's, it's a fuel source. So I think the one cheat code that I, that I live by is, you know, the kiss principle when it comes to nutrition is just keep it really simple. And by that, I mean, I try to eat pretty much not, not I try, I do. I eat pretty much the same things every single day you know, Monday through Monday through Friday, um, just because I know exactly how those foods are going to make me feel. I know exactly, like, what type of energy I'm going to have from 5 a.m. until, you know, I put, hit the, put my head on the pillow at 11. Um, I know exactly how I'm going to feel. So I think if athletes can get out of the whole concept of every meal should be like a treat and understand that your next meal should just be a fueling strategy for your performance, you know, I think, I think athletes will have a lot more success. Now, shifting gears just a little bit, um, just based off of sort of a conversation we had, you know, there's, there's well, there's no linear path to getting where you want to be. Everybody's journey a little bit different. How should that be addressed? How should somebody address that? Because a lot of times we compare ourselves to others, and, and that's right. really not a good spot to be in. So how should we address that? Yeah, I think the first thing you got to do is just focus on, you know, I always say this to uh, to all of our athletes is control your controllables. So instead of living, you know, your life, uh, you know, through someone else's lens or how people think about you or where someone else is in their life, you got to focus on your controllables. And, and that's uh, being in the, in the precious present uh, each and every day. So focusing on where you're currently at, where you want to go, the body of work that you're going to need, to complete in order to get to where you want to go. And then ultimately, you know, being brave enough to to make the jump in order to get there. So, you know, the linear path thing, you know, to me, that's, that's like people thinking like, Oh, when I graduate college, I'm going to have this like high paying job right out the gate and I'm going to be happy. And then I'm going to buy a house and I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. And, and that's a linear path. I think a lot of people think like that's what should happen. And, And that's not the way it works. Like you get what you work for. Um, you know, that's the West Foundation, man. Work equals success. So if you want to get somewhere in life, uh, understand that you might have to take, you know, two steps back sometime, uh, sometimes in order to advance one step forward. You know, for me, I was uh, I left the Citadel coach, and I went to be an assistant strength coach under Adam Fight at Eastern Michigan. And within eight months, I was promoted to head strength coach at 25 years old, not really not even re- ready for that opportunity. But I took it and I ran with it. And from there, you know, I went and worked with Special Forces. Well, government, the government cut our contract with uh, Special Forces. So there I am. I'm a volunteer intern at the University of Washington 
probably less than a year removed from being a head strength coach, the youngest head strength coach in Division One. Um, so there I am as an intern, real, like looking in the mirror, like what is happening? Like what is happening? I was a head strength coach a year ago, and now I'm a volunteer intern at the University of Washington. So, um, but I worked my tail off, and I ended up getting a really, really nice paying job out of that opportunity because I didn't look at it as oh, I'm just a volunteer intern. I went in there, and I showed exactly everyone in that building that you don't want me to leave. You do not want me to leave. So uh, to me, I've, I've never had a linear path. I've never kind of scaled that staircase to the high road. I've always kind of said, you know what, this is the path that God kind of placed me on. I'm going to follow it, and I'm going to do the best of my ability at each stop that I take. And fortunately for me, I'm, I, I am where I am right now, and I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. But not to say that this is the end all. It's just this is where, this is where I'm at right now. All right, now. We're talking about, you know, there's no linear path, even though, again, most guys, when they, when they graduate, um, either they're thinking, hey, as you said, I'm going to get a job, get a nice house, et cetera, et cetera, or it's I'm going to the league, I'm going to make me a bunch of money, and, and then I'm going to do something. But sometimes doors just don't open for you, regardless of mm-hmm. how hard you work that you put in. Mm-hmm. So when you come. And your what what should you do when you come across that and it's just not working? Yeah, you got to make a decision, right? There's that fork in the road, and it seems like every door is dead bolted ten times over, and there's no way you're getting in. So you got to make a decision: Are you willing mm-hmm. to sit there and beat down that door for as long as it's going to take until it cracks open, until you can claw your way through that door, or do you have to take another avenue? and potentially kind of lead a different version of what you thought was going to be your best life, right, um, and still be a part of something that, that is bigger than yourself, right? For me, always being involved in sports, I knew I was always wanting to be a part of a team. So how do I attach myself to a team if I'm not playing professional sports and making a paycheck? Well, doing exactly what I'm doing. I'm, I'm a coach, right? I'm around elite individuals every single day. I'm a, I, and I created a, I created a path that, you know, I, that is a little bit different than some others, but I think all those young athletes out there that are in there, you know, if you're in a sport that, you know, has that professional level that can pay you a salary to continue to compete and do what you love, then that's, that's amazing. It, it's going to take a lot of work, but just understand that, you know, the percentages that you see on those posts and, and all those stats, they're real. It's, it's, it's math. It's numbers don't lie. So if you, if you want that, you are going to have to put yourself in a position in which you uh, are around the right people. You've got to be around the right people. You cannot do it alone. So understanding uh, what success looks like, be around very successful individuals, doesn't necessarily have to be in, a given, in your given sport, but people that are going to uplift you support you when you're down, uh, pick you up when you're down, and get you to keep going when you want to quit because there's, there's, those days will occur. So uh, to me, it's, a, it's about, you know, seeing what's best for you when that fork does come, uh, when, it hits, when it hits the uh, road, is knowing which path should I take. Um, and there's no, there's no better, there's no right or wrong decision. It's just which is the best path. And it's, sometimes it's the path of uh, – uh, least resistance you know like you gotta sometimes you gotta just understand like it's time to hang up the cleats like it's it's just time for me to move on and make more impact in this world doing other things and there's other times where 
you know, like our, our previous guest on here who, who's tried out for the Houston Texans five times, it's about, you know, do you want that opportunity? If she wants it bad enough, she's going to find a way, right? But uh, that sand, that, uh, that sand it, you know, it, it runs out eventually. That time uh, eventually runs out. And so you've got to make the best decision with, uh, with the uh, resources that you have in order to uh, move on in life. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. And and I'm sure everybody, well, not everybody, um, but I've, of course, come across that. Um, Mo Johnson, I'm sure you've come across that. And it's, it is a fact of life that there's times when you got to create your own path because the path that you was on just isn't working the way that you wanted it to. So now it's what do I have to do? I got to do something. I can't just sit here. Nope. I gotta do something. Yeah. Yep. Um, the things that last week a a, a quote or a percentage that I heard was thinking of the NFL. If you take out the top ten percent of the players in the NFL from a longevity standpoint, so take out the Tom Brady's, take out you know the kickers. The punters that's been in there for 10, 15 years. The average stay in the NFL is 10 months. Coach, you know the that's NFL, that's an, acronym. That's, that's an acronym for not for long. Not, not, for, not long. for long. Not for long. Just think that stay is 10 months. Not many guys, nope. and I'm, I'm going to go, not many guys actually get to the second contract. A lot of guys don't, most guys don't get to the second contract. No question. No, it's a, that's, that's the only, I think that's the, the thing that people don't understand, especially like young football players. You know, I hope there's a couple of guys at least, you know, chiming in is that the NFL is a business. At the end of the day, it's a business, and it's very transactional. Um, you know, you don't hear that. You don't see that. But it, it's a transactional business. So um, there's so much talent out there that, you know, if you're not getting the job done, um, and then, you know, depending on, you know, what uh, organization a team feels that you're worth, um, it's it's next man up, and it's very transactional. And you know, I, you know, I think any coach that's been in in, in the league can can uh, attest to that. It's just it's just the nature of the beast. You know, it's it's a beautiful organization. It's a beautiful business. It's fun, um, but it's it's very cutthroat for the players. You know, you you are if you're not one of those top ten percent players that's getting you know those big time deals, then you know you gotta you gotta make sure every opportunity counts. And and that's one area again, that I don't think a lot of people think about in professional sports, like your durability is your, is your greatest asset. Like if you get injured uh, and you're kind of one of those bottom of the barrel guys, like you're you're probably not going to see your way out of you. You know, you're going to basically be packing your bags at the end of uh, the season and and that's going to be a wrap. So um, yeah, you got to have a, you got to have that next Avenue. You got to be able to, to walk the next road. But how about, how about our boy, uh, how about our guy, Andre Roberts, though? How about his career, man? He, he makes me so freaking proud. Exactly. Exactly. He's, uh, he's had a great career, and he's still rolling. So, and yep. he went to Pro Bowl this year. Yep. Not only is he having a, a long career, but he's doing it at a high level. And, I, and he's I doing all the right him. things off the field too, man. He takes care of his community. He takes care. Of, he, he's just involved in so many great things. He's he's a tremendous human. Love that guy. And, uh, 
that about it. Yeah, that is very true. Very true. So now, of course, time time flies when we have one. Um, so one before we even get to this last question, um, definitely want to get you back on again sometime. Uh, but yeah, no, I'd love to, coach. If somebody has had an opportunity to coach at every level, um, including special forces, what word of advice would you give a young student athlete that aspires to play at the college level and, and again, hopefully the professional level? Be remembered. Be remembered. Wherever you're at, um, whether it's high school, whether you go to a camp, whether it's in your community, you know, no matter what you, no matter where you're at or what you're doing, be remembered for being, being the person that goes up, introduces yourself, uh, shakes the coach's hands, let them know who you are, where you're from, uh, you know, who brought you there. Um, you know, easy thing for me to like, you know, for young athletes to be remembered. I mean, your talent and your, your work ethic will take you to exactly where you're meant to be, but be remembered for every action, everything that you do, um, exactly where you're at. And to me, that's about leaving just a positive impact on those around you. So um, I'm telling you right now, your, your emotional state, your, I should say your body language, let's say body language, your body language will introduce you far before you, uh, you open your mouth. So carry yourself with a certain presence that uh, attracts energy, attracts other people to want to follow you and be around you. Because to me, that's what truly embodies a great teammate, somebody that you want to be around. Um, because if you're looking to play at the next level, guess what? And you're a Division One guy, guess what? You're, you're one of 120. Um, you're one of 120. So just, just let that sink in. You're going to be a small fraction of something far bigger than yourself. But be remembered, you can still be one out of 120, but you can always be that guy uh, that's remembered of walking into the room with a smile on your face, with your head held high, um, knowing that you, you get to be there, that you want to be there. So that can be felt from so many different uh, levels. But to me, wear that on your chest. Be remembered. The last thing he says is Instead of saying you have to do something, say you get to do something. That's it, Coach. Um, I have to go to practice today. No, you get to go to practice today. Do you know how yeah. many people would love to be in the team? It's yeah, no, it's... I have I get to take my kids to, to practice today. And, and that sort of it changes your perspective, and and I, and I think that's important, and that's that's really profound what you said there. It's good. Be remembered, and then also yep. you get to be there. Yes, sir. Hey, we're gonna go to a quick break, and then we're gonna come back and wrap up the night. But Blair, we definitely appreciate it. And again, we will have you on again sometime. So be ready to roll. All right, yes, sir. Maurice, thanks, coach. Thanks, Maurice. Appreciate you guys. Ain't no problem. Thank you, man. Have a good one.
Hey, how's everybody doing? Everett Sands uh, with the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. We're back. And uh, we had a great show tonight, a uh, great show tonight. We had some great guests on. You know, we started off with uh, USC women's uh, Gamecock great Alina Coates. And, uh, you know, she talked. One of the big things that I took from that, Maurice, was be different. You know, do something different. Stand out. Um and, and the, how she put it was focus on the things that make you different, and I, that, that's important. That's important, and I think yeah. a lot of times be um, so much like everybody else, and, and not really pay attention to the thing that got us there, which made us that shows that we're a little different, but makes us stand out. You know, so that was big. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That was good. That was good. And me, my man, my man uh, Travis Jervy was the speed guy. I just wanted to try to run somebody over. So that's what made me different. So you got to do what makes you different. You got to do what makes you different. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we had uh, Tawana Elton on, um, which she had a lot of good words as well. And and uh, one of the things she talked about was uh, – don't focus on what you can't do, but focus on what you can do. And that's such a, a profound word, especially with what's going on with COVID and so many changes that we've faced with COVID. Because we, we, we can't do a lot of the things that we, we were able to do. You know, today is February 23rd. Last year this time, you we didn't think that we were going to be going into a pandemic. You know, so so that thought of don't focus on what you can't do, but more focus on what you can do wasn't as big of a deal. But we've had so many things that we couldn't do this last 11 months that you have to almost focus on what you can do um, because there's a lot that you cannot. So, but but she had a lot of good words on there, and and uh, she talked about setting goals, um, mm-hmm. and that. Was, that was really good. Talking about staying focused, keep your eyes on the prize, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was good. Really good. How do you see yourself? What do you bring to the table? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you got to think about when you're setting these goals. And, you know, you always talk about setting goals, but that was a great explanation of, of what we got to do. Um, then we had Brianna. Mm-hmm. Not what I was saying, but despite what you're going through, you still got to keep stay focused. Set those goals. Because the thing is, hey, if you ever think that it's always going to be hunky dory, you're wrong. Right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that sets us apart. Um, guys that went to the is that first year they made it rough on us, um, but we were able to get through it. And, and I think mm-hmm. that sort of not as fast as much as some other people when we're going through some hardships because we like we know we're going to be able to get through it. We just got to fight our way through it. And, and I think that is 
that that's one of the big things that I took from from going to your alma mater. Um, then we had Brianna. Speaking of going through something, um, five times Modric, I mean Mo Johnson, five times she tried out for the Houston Texans cheerleading squad. I mean, just imagine how much dedication and discipline it takes to to try again and then try again and then try again and then try again. That's five times. That's crazy. I know that was uh man to to have the persistence to to try out for something five times um, and just keep coming back and keep doing everything you got to do. That's just phenomenal. Think about it, man. It's not like. Okay, I'm just gonna go try out. No, I mean I gotta eat healthy. I gotta work my behind up to get my body right. I gotta keep my mind my mind squared away, and then I still gotta have a job or go to school to do whatever else I'm doing. So it wasn't just like I'm showing up and I'm gonna try out. No, it was a lot of effort that was put into that. Uh, so so that is, she's gonna be successful in whatever she does. And if she has that type of dedication, she's gonna be successful in whatever she does. And uh, so no I know that's And the big piece of advice that she gave was be confident. Um, if you make a mistake, figure it out and fix it and adapt to your environment. And, again, that goes back to where we are right now. We have to adapt to our environment. Because right now, with all the stuff going on, if you haven't adapted, you're probably a little behind everybody else. So you need to go on and adapt. Um, it is what it is. We, we, there's not much we can do about, you know, the COVID and what's going on. So let's adapt and let's overcome. Uh, and then we finished tonight up with Blair. And Blair had a lot of good words as well. Man. It's uh, and, and, again, just talking about, Everything's not going to work out the way you want to. He's rolling along. He goes from assistant strength coach to a head strength coach to I'm training elite forces to they cut the program, and now he's got to go back and be a volunteer. Talk about rising, 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 and all of a sudden you fall back down. But, again, with that proper work ethic and knowing that Sometimes it's not going to work out the way you want it to, but that doesn't mean that the story's over. So I got to keep working. And now it went from that to getting an opportunity to work with the Rams to now he owns his own company, which is tremendous in itself. Uh, so there's a lot of good words there as well. So it was a great night, man. We had a, a, a good guest and, and a lot of good things were said. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. I mean, they all had had a lot of the kind of the, some of the some similar consistent themes, you know, be 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 uh, self, be persistent, do it great, you know, uh, be remembered, stay focused, control what you control. It's uh, it was uh, definitely some some everybody had some really good points and ties 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 it ties really well in everything we're trying to do. You're trying to do with the kids uh, to to really just you know, go out and be. The They'll be the best person that they can be. So, powering. It is very much so. Very much so. And uh, um, shifting gears just a little bit, we definitely want to keep Tiger Woods and his family in our prayers. 
Um, seems like he was in an accident a little bit earlier today. Uh, I think he had a leg injury, but it seems like it's nothing too serious, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, they said it's it's shattered or something like that. It's something I saw, but uh, but I hear it's uh, it's not like life threatening. Right now, um, paramedics arrived. So, and evidently, it, the accident was in some place that is known for accidents. So, okay. Well, that was that he was seriously injured, but, but again, I don't think it was life threatening. So, so that's good. That's good. The, um, and again, hey, will he come back from this one? Which knowing him, he's one of those guys like Brianna, and he's gonna keep fighting, and he's gonna be able to come back from this and and, and win another tournament. And everybody can wonder how does he do it? How does he do it? Um, but he's had a lot that he's overcome, and uh, and and I have no doubt he'll come back from this one as well. Indeed. Now. Um, Something I was seeing earlier, and you tell me what you think about this. Um, the NBA talking about what's going to define the MVP race. They have, but then they got hit with this. Uh... LeBron James, Joel Embiid, uh, and I imagine you're going to have some other ones that's going to be in the mix. What do you think about that? Uh, um, well, I mean, you know, I mean, Stan, if you had asked, asked that question two weeks ago, it sounded like LeBron do it, but, it, but they don't turn around. Um, he can fall out. Uh, Joel and me, I guess, has playing the way they're playing. Um, if Donovan Mitchell uh, might be somebody uh, think that. So, I don't know. Now, you, you can't, you got it in there, Giannis in there, um, who won MVP last year. And, and really, his numbers are about the same even though his assists are up a little bit. You almost can't take him out of the mix either, even though, of course, LeBron's always going to be in there, and Embiid is putting himself in position as a guy that's always being talked to. That's true. Giannis is uh, special. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, and, you know, it's, it, I can't wait. Hopefully, COVID starts to get better with more and more people in the stand. It's, uh, honestly, it's... Uh, it's a different experience when people ain't aren't stand watching the game. So hopefully they can that start to work in the right direction. Exactly. And that is that is true. Um having people understand is definitely effective. You know, uh from a basketball perspective, a football perspective a baseball perspective, regardless, having people in the stands affects the game. There's no doubt about it. Um, so, hey, we'll see how it happens. We'll see what happens. 
And I wonder, does the team, you know, Giannis, um, they, they they haven't really done much in the playoffs. Would that affect the voters um, when they start talking about the MVP again? Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. There's so many things to think about. The, um, but hey, they they got a couple weeks before before that's really uh, going to be decided. Um, and again, of course, you got a lot of stars, and that, that's that's definitely in there. And and I'm curious to see Harden. Harden's going to be a a guy that always putting up great numbers. Um, if Brooklyn goes on and, and do what I anticipate that they're capable of doing with the star power that they have, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting down the road. So, the uh, And now on another note, Southern Conference has started playing football this past weekend. So uh, the Citadel um, will, will have their first game against Mercer this weekend. Um, from a former player, Maurice, what is your thought process on playing an eight-game season that will end the end of April and then play another 12-game or 11-game season that starts in end of July or um, at least please? But, you know, I think, to, in my opinion, I mean, I think back to – you know, back when we were that age, I don't think we would have had a problem with it, to be honest. Young as we were, I mean, we wanted to play all day. I mean, bring, you know, the, the thing about, we, we didn't, you know, we didn't, uh, I guess, the thing about spring practice that you enjoy so much was the scrimmage part of it. Uh, you could, we could probably done without the practice, but the scrimmage part of it was fun, so you got to compete. It always seemed like that spring game was probably one of the best scrimmages, um, Really, of the whole calendar year, including the fall. So, I I, I think that the kids will be fine. I think they'll be excited about doing it. Um, you know, uh, obviously you got to be careful with injury and all that stuff, and so they're going to have to do some um, things around that to make uh, free from from harm and things like that. And I think the the biggest concern is making sure that you know that the kids you know, stay safe, not just physically from the game, but you know. COVID and everything like that. The last thing you want is somebody really getting hurt, getting COVID, getting sick. But I think I don't think physically, not from the kids' perspective, I think they'll be excited because many probably you know watched a lot of watched a lot of games in the fall and wish that they could have been out there. So sure they want to go hit somebody real real bad right now. We get the opportunity. They will get the opportunity. They got an eight-game schedule. And if I uh, remember correctly, I think the first three games are away. Then they got uh, three games at home. Then they got one away, another one at home. Uh, Furman is the last home game, and then they finish the season at VMI. Um, so it's uh, it, it's upon us. It's upon us. And I'm gonna try to. They play. Um, they play Wofford. Or that? Yeah, they, they they play everybody in the conference this spring. So there's an eight game season. Oh, okay. So they play everybody okay. in the conference. 
So four games to be home, four games to be away. And so, so it's kind of like, yeah, I was wrong. It's, I think it's three games away, four games at home, and then the last game is away. So it's kind of like, okay, we're on the road. Now all of a sudden we're home. And then they finish up at VMI for the season. And they're going to have a conference champion. Um, so that's how they, they, they're going to play. Everybody's going to play everybody in the conference. Um, so there will be a conference champion. And uh, NCAA, from what I understand, is not going to do anything uh, 1AA-wise as far as a national champion. Um, but they will be conference champions. So they can still get them a conference championship ring. So we'll see. And I'm going to try to get down and catch at least one of those games at the Citadel. Uh, I don't know which one yet, but uh, it might be that, that, that last home game, which is against uh, our arch rival, the Furman Paladins. But, uh, but we shall see on that. But, but hey, but as we get ready to, to close up, it's about time for us to shut it down. Again, uh, Maurice, I appreciate you joining me. It was a pleasure having you on. And hopefully pleasure sometime we can get you back. Yeah, man, pleasure. Thanks for having me. I had a good time, man. I had a good time. And uh, for everybody else, uh, I want to thank you all for joining us. Uh, Once again, the West Foundation, our website is wesffc.com. Again, wesffc.com. And everything that we do for our kids it's free for the kids. Uh, so we function by donation. So please, if you get opportunity, go to our website, donate to us. And we also like to thank our, our uh, title sponsor, Nano Air Solutions. Um, their website is nanoair, N-A-N-O-A-I-R.us, nanoair.us. And they sell MERV 13 air filters which will actually capture the coronavirus and bactericide particles. So if you're looking for that extra layer of protection in your home or in your business, you need to check out Nano Air. But, again, thanks a lot, Maurice. Uh, have a great week, everybody, and we will see you next week. Yo, devil, have a good you one. Uh, you finally you about to get dealt with. Uh, to get dealt with. Uh, uh,
Never 